Andrew, I saw you were in a you were at a shindig last night. I was a drink and draw. <laughs> uh, look, I know. Yeah, we all like to have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the thing you painted called Caddy Robinson? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was worse than that. Okay, it was worse than that. It was Jackie Robin's cat. Ah, okay. There's no, there's not even any rhyme in it. Right. Look, I'm all for fun. We know I'm a fun, I'm a fun guy. My cat is scaling my, my, my chair right now. He heard you say I'm cat. Just gonna, I'm just gonna let him go. I'm just gonna let him why. go. Yeah. Let the man explore. Um, do we need to anthropomorphize? Like, bro, do we... that wasn't the worst one in there. Ow! There was Harry Cat Tubman. Oh. <laughs> is it all? Is it all African American figures? John Johnny Cat Lennon. Uh, well, that's not so. I mean, <laughs> it's not so bad. It's it's just fucking. Well, yeah, it's just like the puns are. I mean, the names are just terrible. But I, right. it's almost funny how terrible they are. So what it is is, so I went to a drink and draw where you uh we drink and then you do like little art things like it was a group of friends of mine it's a good idea then and it becomes a then it becomes a challenge yeah yeah, yeah. It, it gets shittier as you go you know um now my cat is sitting on my arm like a parrot um <laughs> and uh so <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> just all right sorry sorry guys sorry guys i've got a monkey on my arm um but i when i went to the lantern which is the the store that uh our friend owns, and I bought a coloring book of cats throughout history. <laughs> Which I'm on board. It's hilarious. With the really idea, is. yes, yeah. in theory, yeah. So uh, the one that I drew or colored yesterday was uh, Jackie Robin's cat. It was Jackie <laughs> Robinson as a cat sliding yeah. into what looked like maybe third base, um, yeah. but there was no, like, infield grass. It was weird, but... Um, yeah, knock that shit out of the park. That's your major complaint: is the baseball field was not up to snuff. Listen, uh, apparently this is not an accurate portrayal. Apparently, our friend Andrew basketball. knows the artist, and I want to give her a call. Yeah, um, I just uh, look. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do we're we not have... insulting him. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, a little. Bit... What's the insult? That you turned it's... civil rights. <laughs> activist and uh line color line crossing pioneer jackie robinson into a cat first of all i didn't turn him into the cat no not you but we second of all, as a society did still not an insult uh, yeah you know I, I mean? okay maybe it's not an insult in the it, classical these are, sense these are great cats throughout history <laughs> it's not a cat andrew <laughs> He's a real man. Jackie Robinson's cat is a cat. <laughs> it's true. Uh, a real man who, by all accounts, was aged so severely by his, uh, by the pressure of being yeah. the first uh, African American player to cross the color line that it uh, that it killed him. Lots of people let, will let say. Let me uh, let, let me let me let me provide a situation, like an example, right? Sure. If it was, if there was like little Hitler cat, right? And I was painting and I was drawing, I was coloring in Hitler cat, right? Yeah. That's a lot worse because it's a bad person because we sure. don't want to make light of a bad person, right? We're sure. celebrating Jackie Robinson by immortalizing him in cat form. I don't know, man. Harriet Tubcat. <laughs> Harriet Tubcat's a little rough. That one's it's, rough. It's tough. Yeah. That one's I... rough.
I wouldn't Hank, do that one. Hank Aaron Cat, maybe is uh, like it's a little, it's a little bit better. Yeah, but I mean, Hank Aaron. Was Tom also... Brady as a Tom Brady as a cat. I know, but <laughs> now we're now we're saying because those guys are black, they can't be cats. I don't, I don't think that that's right. I don't think that's no. Right. I'm saying <laughs> we don't. You know, we to. only make white people cats. Cats are yeah. fun. We just it feels it feels slightly minimizing. That's all I'll say. I understand that. I understand yeah. that. But I was maximizing because I had a great time. Thinking yeah. about Jackie, you know. That's look. I could I just, be in the wrong. In I just wrote a story on the Negro Leagues for a um a magazine. Uh huh. And I listened to a uh, a a interview with uh, Bob Kendrick, who's the president of the Negro Leagues mu- Museum, and he talked about how Jackie Robinson, like that first year, if it didn't work out, like they were screwed. That's like, it. Yeah. It was gonna be a while before black guys were allowed in. Um, yeah. And uh, and like. So he had the pressure of having to play in the major leagues, but he also had the pressure of like 21 million African-Americans in the country. Like, yeah. Uh, and then um, he said that uh, between 1949 and 1959, there were uh, nine out of the 11 MVPs in the National League were from the Negro Leagues, were Negro League former players. Yeah. Those it's, dudes could ball, man. <laughs> Those dudes could ball. Yeah. It's – well, uh, so sort of – I. Off topic, but in a similar vein, I went and saw the movie Till today. About about Darren Till. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, about Emmett the, Till. Emmett, that fucking that story. Oh man. Look. Yeah. It is I'm not going to watch that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. It, it has great acting performances in it. But like, I was trying to think about it, and it's like everything else that I could say about this movie would be reductive. Because like, what do I say? Oh man. That was really terrible. What happened? Yeah, of course, of course, of course it, was. it was. Like, what am I? What can I? I, add? I, I definitely wouldn't have done that to you. That yeah, <laughs> I think that that was terrible. What happened yeah. to him? Yeah, I, I will say there was one moment in that movie proving how effective movies are. Because also part of the problem was like it wasn't just me, but everyone was like, you know, you got your popcorn and your soda, <laughs> and we're going to watch. This Emmett Till movie. Yeah, that's why I, I like. Yeah, it doesn't feel. It feels reductive. Yeah, to... I'm, not, I'm. I'm not. I don't feel like watching that movie. Like. Yeah, and uh, the the woman who played Emmett Till's mother did a fantastic job. I'm like, sure. I'm, sh- I'm it. sure. It's, I'm sure it's a great movie. That's all I can say about it. That's, yeah. But there's a scene where they they put the woman who accused Emmett Till on the stand. Still alive, by the way. Yeah, and uh, she's telling the story of what happened. But she's lying. She's yeah. embellishing. And the earlier we had seen what had actually happened. And in the movie theater, people were like, this bitch. <laughs> like, oh, it was. Oh, man. Yeah. And it was like, that's there's the power of movies. A bunch of people in 2022 watching an actress portray this person had a visceral reaction to her lies still. They were like, "That's not what happened. That's not what happened at all." That actor should, should be uh, get signed by AEW. To, that's yeah. That's uh, should most certainly a heel. But yeah. yeah, so I was like, I don't, I don't even know what to, do. I recommend people go see this movie because like, it's important. It's it's valuable history. It's, it's important it's to not, know the story. It's not yeah. if you don't if you don't know the story, go ahead and watch the movie. But if you know the story, like. I don't think it's important to watch the movie. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it is a great acting performance. It is not a movie that's like for enjoyment. I don't. Oh think. god damn it! Can't wait to watch Till. 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, so. Any anyway, that was uh, how I spent my day off. Was, uh, okay, and then I went and saw uh, Wakanda Forever, the Black Panther movie. How's that one? It was it was pretty good, but I like good. those I like those movies. So, yeah, you know. I liked the first one. It was fine. It wasn't yeah. like it didn't blow blow my hair back, but it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think they they have so far done the best job of balancing a villain whose point of view you can understand. Because like in the first Black Panther movie, Killmonger, you're watching it and you're going like, he's wrong, but I can understand why he thinks the thing that he thinks. Like, I don't think that he's right. I still hope that uh, T'Challa beats him up, but like, I get where he's coming from. Same thing in this one. So they, like, the Black Panther movies have done the best job with the Marvel villains as far as like giving the motivation. That's not just the evil guy does evil thing for some reason, you know, that's a tough thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was the weird thing about house of dragon. It's like, you don't know who to root for because everybody's a dickhead, but you root for the incest. (laughs) That's you go against your natural, (laughs) uh, your natural thoughts. Go go against uh, your natural thoughts. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um oh i was gonna mention um off podcast andrew and i were talking about how both of our cats enjoy like just needing the like k-n-e-a-d our legs to no end they love that shit yeah uh and i don't realize that i have a bunch of tiny cuts all over my leg until i take a shower because apparently there's something going around the internet do you wash your legs when you take a shower, Andrew? Because <laughs> okay, so Dusty, this is going around the internet again. I this guess went, this went around the internet like years ago, like, and it was like, oh, I can't believe it. White people don't wash their legs, and I'm like, I wasn't part of this poll because uh, yes, I do wash my legs. Well, I don't know. I didn't see it as I didn't see the version of it that's white people. Don't. Oh, that's what that's where it. it was. That's where it was like a few years ago. Uh, okay. Yeah. You wash your legs, course. Dusty. Yes. Yeah. Of course I do. Do my legs have skin? Yeah. They get dirty. They get <laughs> they get sweat on them. Yeah. yeah. I wash my legs. Yeah. I don't. A lot of people. Water, were... The water doesn't do it. The water. The water alone isn't doing anything. For I you. think a lot of people couldn't like they you you soap up the top. The soap runs down. As long as suds touch something, it's clean, right? Apparent according to these people. Uh, no. 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 Mm-hmm. I get I under want... my foot. Even though it's dangerous, I feel like that's how I'm gonna die. I'm gonna be like 65, and I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cl- like soap up under my foot, and as soon as my foot goes down, I'm gonna go down. And uh... yeah. now, do you use the you use the one foot on top of the other foot? Then you then you still have both feet, at least to wash the top of your foot. I guess I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about here. Like you switch off, like the bottom of your right foot, you rub on the top of your left foot while it has. My soap cat on just it. Attacked me. Oh, I thought uh, you tried to do it, and your bones are no, so bony. My, my cat, my cat you, just attacked me. That so hurts you stand you. on your foot, like to do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, my thing is the bottom of the foot, like because yeah. I, I, I have impeccable balance, Dusty. But yeah. when I, uh, when I plant afterwards, little slipsy do. You know what I mean? Right. I just, yeah. I just soaped the bottom of my foot. It's like I'm <laughs> pranking myself. Right. You're really, you're really playing the. The odds there, yeah, to not fall in a sli- slippery ass shower, you know. Yeah, um, it's interesting. We, I think we've ran the gamut of uh, of topics. Yeah, well, I've got another one. I got oh. another one real quick. Um, yeah. 
did you hear the rumors about John Cena uh, potentially wrestling at WrestleMania? I have not heard those rumors. I don't know. I don't know any other details. Is okay. I don't I don't feel like that's big of a that big of a thing. Like he hasn't been gone that long, like all that stuff, but Yeah, I don't I don't know what kind of juice it get it it matters who he faces. I don't think John Cena returns at WrestleMania in and of itself is as big as like, oh, he has a big program with X. Dude. Yeah, have have you have, you've seen him in person? Yes. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I've never seen him. So it would be cool to uh, be able to uh, see him in person uh, when we're at WrestleMania because I got his tickets. Um, and so <laughs> the... Uh, that is quite a way for you to re- reveal that information if that's true. What? <laughs> what are you talking about, Dustin? <laughs> if you... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, The Rock uh, might be wrestling at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Too, and... He's, he also might be wrestling. Uh, I've also never seen him, and that would be cool because I got his ticket. So uh... I've, <laughs> I've also seen The Rock, but I haven't seen him. I've never been to WrestleMania, so if yeah. they're yeah, it's gonna that's... be cool. I... When you that go to is... WrestleMania, because I got his tickets. Um... That is quite a surprise for you too. Uh, <laughs> I. Uh... For our yeah. potential uh, dozens of listeners, we've who... talked about we've talked about it before. Yeah. I'm a big radio star now, big deal. Um, and uh, I know somebody. Um, maybe I'll be able to talk about who it is. Uh, it's not a famous person, but I, I know somebody. Is it who... John Cena? It is John Cena. I, yeah. I did say it was not a famous person, but it is John Cena. <laughs> um, I uh, who owns a uh, some real estate inside SoFi Stadium. Ah, and so I hit this person up um, about remember a month ago. I was like, hey, don't make any plans either day of WrestleMania. I recall you were like, "Okay," And I was like, I'm fucking serious, Dusty. (laughs) Yes, I recall. Um, So, yeah, we've been working on it for a while. And it's like, I still don't know. um, I don't know details. I don't know if it's both days or one day. I don't know where our seats are going to be. I don't know uh, any of those things yet. Sure. Um, I got an affirmative today um, that it's happening. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to the granddaddy, dog. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Quite a way for you I, I to. Uh... I, they were like, the person was like, you don't like, you realize how expensive these tickets are, right? Uh, I'm not paying for them. And sure. I'm like, I'm like. Yeah, but I didn't know, like, I didn't know the logistics. I didn't know this person had to pay for the tickets. I didn't know, like, I didn't know what I was asking for, basically. Sure. And um, they were like, does, does your dad like football or something? I'm like, kind of. I don't know. I want to go to WrestleMania. <laughs> it would right. be really cool for my friend if I could take my friend to WrestleMania. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they texted me one day, and this is before I knew they had to pay for the tickets. And I was like, right. I was like, uh, she was like, so two like two tickets and i was like yeah and it's two days so if you get both days like that would be sick uh two tickets both days but uh uh <laughs> that was before i knew that the person has to pay for the tickets maybe I, they get a maybe they get a discount they called me and were like they called me and they were like do you realize how expensive these tickets are and i was like yeah and then we we had the conversation i was like oh i did not realize what i was asking for 
and then uh, they're like, "I'm gonna make your dream come true." Uh, I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like, "Well, it's my yes, yeah, my de- my friend Dusty's dream." Uh, but, uh, <laughs> sure, it'd be it, cool if I went. It's she, not my dream. And she was like, uh, she was like, "All I want is a badass shirt." <laughs> I was like, "Sick." <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking done. I'll buy you two shirts, one so, shirt yeah. from each of us. So uh, yeah, Snark Marks going to the Granddaddy SoFi Stadium. Uh, <laughs> now you want me to talk about the great american bash 1989 i've been waiting i've been waiting because i was uh, like i kept telling them i was like i'm not gonna tell them unless you give me the hey go ahead and tell them like because <laughs> i don't want this to like like because it's in five months or something right. it's in five you don't months. want it to be a rage against the machine situation i don't want a rage against the machine yeah. situation if, um, if we get rage against the machines i'm gonna buy fucking tickets to wrestlemania i was gonna say uh, it is not your uh, yeah, I know. Your friends I know. It responsibility. Suck. It would suck. Yeah, it would suck. My heart would be broken in. I know. That's it. it. That's only. It just, you know, <laughs> just, just my that. little achy, breaky heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't think I have my heart so li- would understand. <laughs> I have so little. Andrew, <laughs> you know? All I've got is my heart and my yeah. uh, and my sweet wife. Uh, yeah, my, <laughs> my, my be listening. My delightful wife. All I I I have so little for entertainment. Andrew. That is true. <laughs> so that is true. Uh, well, that's super dope. Yeah. Super pumped. I've never, oh man! I've never been to SoFi. I heard so, I've heard SoFi's sick. Yeah, I I've heard that it's essentially like a city. Like you just yeah. there's like everything in the world to do. Yeah, uh, so we'll be talking aside about... from just doing the thing that you bought tickets to go do. Yeah, so I you know? I I, I kind of want to like uh, get there super early one time. One if we go both days or either day and like yeah. record something from wherever we are. You know, that'd be sick. Yeah. Uh, Definitely doing get, some video for the. For we got to get on TikTok. Apparently, on TikTok, Snark Marks <laughs> well, at the Granddaddy. Uh, we yeah. got to We got to We got to make a giant Snark Marks podcast sign to like yes. hand a letter Let to everybody in our row and give them fifty <laughs> bucks. Yeah, just one time. Just listen one just, time, please. Just please, just yeah. listen to Snark Marks one time. That's what I should say. We'll, we'll yeah. get like a bunch of characters. That's. That's amazing. All That's right. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Bash. I guess play the theme song. <laughs> theme song. <laughs> Welcome to Star Wars, everybody. We're a wrestling retrospective podcast from the Central Valley of California. It's going to the goddamn granddaddy this year. WrestleMania. Uh, next year. <laughs> uh, I'm Andrew. That's Dusty. Uh, we are uh, we're friends, um, and uh, we have a podcast, and you're listening to that podcast. So we have uh, follow us on the socials, um, at SnarkMarksPod on Twitter and Instagram. Dusty's at SnarkMarkD on Twitter. I'm at Andrew Idell on Instagram. I D E L L, spell it right, you fucking jackals. Um, and uh, and follow me because I'm I'm a radio star. Uh, sub to our a YouTube channel. Uh, I just put up a new uh, video. Finally, I did it. I did something. Uh, it was like two and a half minutes long. It's really fun. It's about us cussing about uh, stinking somebody's misspelling Ric Flair's name. And then um, 
this are this is we have a bunch of deep dives check those out listen to our booking shows we'll do another one of those probably in the next couple months or so a couple months or so um and yeah that's it this is our f- fourth episode of 1989 nwa yes yeah because we had the three flare steamboats and then this one yeah um so this is the great american bash 1989 1989 uh, so we've got the dusty Rhodes came up with the great american bash right he did yes he also came up with the war games he uh, he also came up with the war games yeah and he's also been out of this company for like six months at this point right yes he is Where, current what's he the is... date uh, this is July 23rd, 1989. Yeah, it's been six or seven months he's been gone. I bet he's sitting at home being, I'm, I came up with that whole shit. You fucking stole all my shit, man. <laughs> yeah. He's getting ready to beat the Honky Tonk Man at SummerSlam 89. In the polka uh, which, dots? Yes, which uh, we covered before. Hell yeah, so, dude. Uh, and he's probably like, yeah, where's my where's my goddamn residual check? Where's my residual for, for all that shit, man? And then both goddamn, great I, thought American... Rick, I thought Flair throwing that bionic elbow in the fucking in the main event, he's got to pay me too. And they yeah. got they both got hella blood, and that's my shit too. <laughs> it's all it all belongs to Dusty Baby. All this fucking wrestling shit is me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Great American Bash was basically like a touring event in the summer so they were like branded shows so it was still the house shows but they were like it's the great american bash shows mm-hmm. and so they would take it like uh on a circuit and that's part of why he invented the war games was to have like a marquee match to promote these great american bash shows with i love the name that's one of my favorite pay-per-view names um we've, we've gone through a lot of horseshit pay-per-view names there's a lot of horseshit pay-per-view names uh, the Great American Bash is an awesome fucking. Uh, uh, yeah, because it's like it's in the summer. It feels like Fourth uh, of July. Kind feels of like stuff, a block but... party. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they used to like they would have them outside, at in like uh, baseball stadiums and stuff. So like it, it just seems like a cool kind of cookout. You go, you take a picnic, you watch the fucking war games. It's like a whole family affair. You know, like yeah. it's fun for everybody in the the kids just bring them all so uh and the uh the war games was invented after dusty Rhodes saw the mad max beyond thunderdome movie and came up with the idea you see that thunderdome shit god damn it i'm gonna put a fucking t- 10 men into two yeah. rings <laughs> in two you know how you know what we normally have we normally have one ring. Yeah. Now takes, stay with me. What it if? Takes, it takes twenty minutes for the shit to even start, Daddy. Yeah. Well, we'll get we'll get to it. There are two separate parts of the war <laughs> of the war games. Yeah, the war games. So, uh, yeah, we're now we're like we're deep into 1989, but we are now far past the George Scott uh, booking era, and we are on the booking committee. Uh, era of WCW in 89 with Ric Flair and Jim Ross and uh, Eddie Gilbert and then later Jim Cornette. So is this the one because I know at one point it was um, you know Gilbert uh, Ross um, Sullivan all those guys and then Flair just kind of took over the committee um, at one point. Was this after that? Do you know? He's on the committee. He's like the head 
Booker. Yeah. But like he there's... takes he takes advice from all the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it must this must be after that because like apparently he's he like there was a point at which Ric Flair took a started taking like a bigger role in the booking. Um, yeah. I was just curious when that happened, if maybe that happened, started with his Terry Gordy match. Um, because uh, that was cool. Yeah. It's, I believe like the Terry in, Gordy, Terry Funk. Sorry. Like I think in like May or June, cause I think he always had an input into the world title picture. Cause he's yeah. And that's what we were talking about before. So, yeah. 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 And so whenever, he takes over, he kind of just goes to uh, Sullivan and Cornette, who ran the weekly syndicated shows, like, hey, I kind of want to push this guy. I'd like to end up with a, this match at the next pay-per-view, kind of figure out what, like, how we get there. Yeah. And, these, like, these are the guys that I want to be paired up against. Like, I know he asks later on for, like, uh, he wants to do a program with Brian Pillman to, like, help get Pillman over as like another potential opponent for, for him. the NWA title. He wants to do a program. With yeah. So he did like a, in 90 in 1990, he does like a clash of champions match against Brian Pillman. Where oh, it's okay. Like, as an upper mid card guy. Pillman gonna, gets to okay. It, the champ. it makes sense that it was a little bit later too. Cause like flying Brian was cool, but like it, he didn't seem like you put him in the NWA title match. Right. Basically. But like they, you know, that's sort of the, how he would book, the undercard stuff is like, hey, you know, let's figure out where we want to go with these things. And then the weekly, like, week-to-week television was um, handed off to, like, Cornette or Sullivan or whoever yeah. to book that stuff. But okay. So yeah, I'm a big picture guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you're the minutia is left to the minions, but we figure out who we want to push and how we want to push them, and then that's where we go. And we build the TV around that, which okay. uh, AEW and WWE probably learned something from at this point in time. So, <laughs> uh, we are at the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland, July 23rd, 1989, 14,500 people. So apparently yeah. the bash hadn't been drawing great everywhere, but in Baltimore they had a fucking crowd. That's got to be the biggest crowd that we've seen so far in in this deep dive. Um, are there any like big Baltimore guys? No, I think ba- Baltimore is like a stronghold for the NWA and WWE at the time. Like it's so they a, just love wrestling pretty... out there. Yeah, and you got like the Flair Funk story. It's pretty hot. Yeah, it's and it's it's good. Like like, Funk really went after it and knew like like I one of my one of my last notes was Heat Machine. Yeah, (laughs) the 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 Idol Wrestling Federation uh, trademark. But I'll 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 let Terry Funk borrow that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, weirdly, the uh, tagline for this show is the Glory Days. I don't know what that means. Um, but it's not a huge deal. It's, uh, it's just weird. So is that a John uh, Cougar Mellencamp song? It's entirely possible that that's the case. No, I think that's Springsteen. Dude, fuck, that sucks because the first thing I thought was Springsteen, and I was like, wait, that might not be Springsteen. I think that's John Cougar. Yeah. All right, that sucks. I wish I had a time machine. (laughs) For that specifically. (laughs) Just that. Just Just that. that. Not killing Uh, Hitler. Just replacing uh, Cougar Mellencamp with Bruce Springsteen in that question. Just going back eight minutes ago. (laughs) um, So we open the show, and again, it's like, I don't know. They do, they have weird, 
openings to the show because they're it's very understated and they're like in uh in baltimore today we'll we'll relive the glory days while they show like pictures of horses and like the countryside in baltimore and they're like by the way there's a war games that's gonna happen and it doesn't match the energy doesn't seem to match there's a war games of brewing Uh, yeah well and it's funny because like we had shows where like Luthez and uh, all these guys, like the, every show so far, there's been like old heads out there. This is the one without him. And this one's called the glory days. Yeah. Where they're taking it back, you know? So, uh, our ring announcer or our commentary team is Jim Ross and Bob Cottle. And we open the show with the King of the Hill two ring battle Royal. Now, first of all, what do you think of two rings? Andrew, uh, two rings is interesting. It depends on how you use the two rings, right? But uh, I got to admit, I like a two-ring battle royal. I think visually it's like, I think visually it's cool, possibly just because it's, it sounds so simple, but like, it's not what you normally see. Yeah, it's two rings, it's funny. Uh, But you're like, oh shit. (laughs) I like the idea that there's like a, like a consolation ring where you, you got to fight your way back into the winner's bracket basically. But like, yeah, I think it's good because it splits up like there's fewer people like it starts with the big old fucking mass of people that is always a problem in battle royals and then but it splits them up into smaller more manageable groups yeah because you can always get guys eliminated from the second ring yeah as there's still stuff happening in the first just kind of thin the herd as you go you know yeah so uh our competitors here are bill wild bill Irwin, brian pillman eddie gilbert Kevin Sullivan, Mike Rotunda, Ranger Ross, Sid Vicious, Dan Spivey, Rick Steiner, Ron Simmons, Scott Hall, Scott Steiner, Terry Gordy. Young, yoked out Scott Hall, who's clearly trying to do a Magnum TA type thing at this point. I did not, like, (laughs) until they said Scott Hall, didn't know he was in this match. Like, and I watched everybody walk out, and he's got to do his face. I was going to bet that you didn't know it was him because he looks in completely different. He, I think he even had like kind of brown, like blondish brown hair. Like he didn't have the black hair, like very yeah. interesting. But he, I mean, he's got almost unmistakable thighs. <laughs> yeah. He's a big thigh guy. He's got like, we talked about, I talked about this a lot in the NWO era. He's got these like long, beautiful thighs. Like he's got the best yeah. thighs of all time, I think. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, he yeah is it was cool seeing Scott Hall. Um, this was my first time seeing Sid Vicious in this era in this uh, iteration. Um, yeah. I mean in this um, deep dive, he hasn't shown up on any of the other stuff. I, I put holy shit at Sid. That was one of my notes. He's <laughs> like yeah. Sid, you don't miss. You don't miss Sid. Uh, yeah yeah. He's uh, well. I put oh shit, it's Ron Simmons because it was I did very also, young Ron Simmons. Yeah. I did also have an oh shit, it's Ron Simmons moment. There's a lot of oh shit, it's moments in this. Yeah. Uh, uh, but so I, I didn't like that. Um, Terry Gordy, um, uh, Rick Steiner. Uh, who was the third one? There were three guys that I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, hope they win. <laughs> right. <laughs> no <Nope>. chance. <laughs> um, Wrong. <laughs> uh, so the the way it works is it starts as a normal battle royal. Guy gets thrown over the ropes of ring A into ring B and then continues to fight. And then if you get thrown out of ring B, then you're eliminated. So, yeah. uh, and the winner from ring A wins or f- faces the winner of ring B and it's a $50,000 prize, baby. 
So. And honestly, I, I like I said, I think this is the better way to do a battle royal. Like, yeah. I didn't. And plus, this one didn't take too long, but like, uh, I kind of like it. Like, I, I, I hope, I, I wish all battle royals were two, were two rings. Uh, <laughs> we still, we got to watch a World War Three sometime because World War Three is sixty guys in three rings. In three rings, is it the same <laughs> but, concept? No, it's the winner of each ring. That, or when it gets down to ten guys in each ring, then they all get one ring, and then it's still a battle royal. <laughs> so, oh fuck. This yeah so but it's 20 royal. 20 dudes in three different rings that you're trying to keep track of the whole time and what? it's wcw in the 90s okay. so it's just a bunch of nobodies oh god damn it and like eight dudes that could win yeah <laughs> so it's chris canyon and uh, elk and el dandy and silver king all in one ring with uh, with kevin nash and you're like well <laughs> Who's yeah. gonna win this? Uh, <laughs> Glacier or Ric Flair? I, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, remember we are pro Chris Canyon on this podcast. Uh, we are, yeah. But uh, somebody, our friend WCW Breakdown on Twitter, following by yeah. the way, we mention him sometimes. He posted a question on his Twitter that was like, "Who do you think is the most underrated talent in WCW history?" And uh, obviously, I posted my um, my Disco Inferno gif. And uh, the most common answer? Who do you think the most common answer was? Well, I'm gonna guess that she brought him up. It's Canyon. It's Glacier. Oh, what? Everybody said Glacier. I just kept oh. seeing it, dude. I wanted to like just, just, <laughs> just start responding no to every single one yeah. of those. But maybe there's something I'm missing here. Maybe no. Glacier was a bad, bad dude. You know what I mean? Glacier sucks, dude. <laughs> Glacier sucks. It's, <laughs> it's the like. I don't know if the dude, like maybe behind, that guy was a bad dude, and like but yeah, but like sucks. the gimmick sucks. Also, in all the time that we watched Glacier wrestle, I didn't see anything from him that was like, oh, underneath this bad gimmick is a guy that's pretty good. I bet <laughs> it's uh, it's bad all the way around. Plus, if he's not Glacier, he doesn't have the three thousand year old helmet that his sensei gave him, and he's oh, got to protect. I forgot about that. the three thousand year old helmet. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Anyway, in this match, uh, we end up where in ring A, we only have Pillman and Sid, and then everybody else is in ring B. Uh, Dan Spivey, in a continuing theme throughout the night, hits a pretty scary, janky-looking powerbomb on Ranger Ross at one point in this thing. And, uh, like, he almost drops Ranger Ross right on his head. And I was like, the powerbomb's not your move, Dan Spivey. Yeah, I... I don't. I, I that that was like uh, a scary. That was scary. Yeah. Um, scary Spidey. So, Spivey. uh, I I put a note that says, "Sure, throw Terry Gordy out of this battle royal, but Wild Bill Irwin should definitely be in there." Still. I know, dude. What the hell? And I didn't even like. I didn't even notice Terry Gordy being gone. Like I blinked and Gordy and Steiner were gone. Like, yeah. and I I must have like my cat must have been attacking me or something. But like, uh. You don't fucking god damn it! He's like one of the best wrestlers you have right now. I know he's a yeah. temporary guy. They're not gonna let him win because sure. apparently at this time Gordy wasn't like all the way in WCW. He's also working in other places, right? Yeah, he was and... big in he was big in Japan. Oh, okay, of course so... he was. He's fucking yeah. Terry Gordy. Yeah, right. God uh, rest his soul. 
So uh, my note says that Pillman gets elongated from ring A. I'm going to go ahead and guess that's supposed to be <laughs> eliminated. Uh, and so Sid is the winner of ring A. And then they don't tell the redemption story that you'd imagine they'd tell in ring B of Pillman, like, firing back up. They just throw him out. They just throw him out. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here, bro. Yeah. Uh, so then we're down to Dan Spivey. He's in the next match. Yeah. match. He's got to go back and get, get loose and get hydrated. Uh, so we're down to Spivey and Dr. Death and ring B. And then Mike Rotunda distracts Dr. Death and Spivey eliminates him. So it's Dan Spivey and Sid. But they're a tag team, and so they're getting ready to face off in the in the ring. And Teddy Long, who's their manager, comes in and says they aren't going to fight, uh, but they're going to split the battle royal money. So feel feel the scintillation of that ending for this match. Yeah, I was so I was like, really? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, wait, yeah. you're gonna you're just gonna uh, declare that there's not going to be a winner to this thing that we spent uh, ten? Well, it's only ten minutes. Ten minutes watching. Um, what was the What's the manager's name? Teddy Long. Does Teddy Long stink? No, Teddy Long's okay. He's okay. All right. Yeah, Teddy Long's the guy. Uh, it's gonna be a tag team match, player. Like <laughs> later on in WWF, that was he was like the general manager of SmackDown. Oh yeah, he was, okay. He I remember always that. come out and make a tag team match. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> out of like four guys who are arguing, Teddy Long's music plays tag team main event. I, I don't. Uh, I don't remember that, and that's really funny. But I remember him being the GM. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, for, for some reason, I, uh, I I was like, does he stink? I can't tell. But yeah, here I, I he's you. not. Here he's not great. He yeah. improves, but uh, okay. Because a couple the, times we've seen him this season, you know what I yeah. mean. Has been like. So that's the end of that battle royal in about ten minutes. This got three stars, which I was somewhat surprised by. Because even if it's it's like a decent battle royal, battle royals generally are uh, they stink. So yeah, this is a decent battle royal though. Like I said, like I think that second ring really uh, takes things over the top for about. Right. Uh, so now we're backstage with Gordon Sully, who's with Terry, with Teddy Long, and he's saying that uh, now they're the champs. You know, they got the crown from the Battle Royal, and he basically challenges all of the NWA to try to take down the skyscrapers, uh, which is a cool tag team name uh, if you got two real big guys. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of. It's overused when there's two tall guys. Like you, you see it a lot. Like if there's two tall, um, if there's two really tall kids on a basketball team, it's always the skyscrapers. Yeah. Like uh, there were two tall, two tall twins in in Porterville. They called them the skyscrapers. Like, but uh, I mean, it's fine. They're those are big bastards. Uh, yeah. It's not a it's not a bad name at all. And uh, they're not a bad tag team. I don't think. No, uh, we'll find out later on. They're pretty decent. Uh, we one are of them opening <laughs> frequently smells a power bomb, and the other yeah, one it's true. It's power bomb smells. <laughs> yes, nice. <And> that's <laughs> like, why you make the big bucks on the radio. <laughs> that's off the heat. That's why we're going to the granddaddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our uh, opening singles match, we got Wild Bill Irwin taking on Flying Brian Pillman, and this is our first look at Brian Pillman in 1989. Yeah. Uh, he is jacked up and the crowd loves Brian Pillman. Yeah, they do. They do. And I wonder if it's the, Oh God, this guy played in the NFL, like rub, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, uh, and he's, he's infectious. Like I like Brian Pillman. He was cool. Um, Pillman, only Pillman got an entrance, right? Yes. Wild Bill's in the ring. Who's going to win this match. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's as hot in Baltimore as it was in the sportatorium. 
because that's the remember in the WCCW documentary we watched where Wild Bill Irwin just kept talking about how hot it was. In oh, that was that was him. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single that. time they cut back to me, he's like, "God damn, ten thousand yeah. degrees in that building." <laughs> I gotta tell you, man, it was hot as shit. It was Texas. It was metal, and there are fucking five thousand people in a three thousand yeah. people arena. Just, uh, do you think that Wild Bill and Brian Pillman went to the same hairdresser because they both got curly perms uh oh in yeah this match. yeah they they uh it's one of those one of those hairdressers you can drink beer at and uh, yeah <laughs> and there's a there's a spittoon <laughs> yeah they passed it around sid goes to that guy <laughs> All, anybody with curly hair so yeah but bobby eaton would not like bobby no. eaton has a guy yeah he's already got a guy from whenever he was in tennessee he has a, yeah he has a guy he has a guy in every uh territory <laughs> it's like the fiend or not the fiend, uh, the demon, where he'd fly in his own guy to do the <laughs> yeah, airbrushing. Yeah. Uh, so I this match is okay. I think there's too much Wild Bill uh, in this match, just, but just screaming at Brian Pillman. <laughs> yeah. What uh, flying Brian? You gonna fly, Brian? <laughs> like, all right, dude. We get it. So, it's a stupid name. <laughs> also, he wrestles in jeans, which has got to be less than ideal. Yeah, think. it depends. You can buy jeans that like look like jeans but aren't like jeans. You know the the super yeah. stretchy ass. Like I bet that's what uh, Moxley wrestles in. But uh, I don't know if that technology was. Pre- These are probably just hard ass Wranglers. Yeah, Ugh. if you're the cow, if you're wild, if you're Wild Bill, you better not be wearing stretchy. Jeans. Yeah, you're not using that's some like... goddamn barbell jeans. That's a good point. Yeah. So uh, Pillman makes a big comeback, but misses a drop kick off the top, and uh, Bill throws him from the ring they're wrestling in into the other ring and then starts John with the referee, which allows Pillman to get up on the top rope on the corner of the far ring uh, and then cross body him over the ropes onto Wild Bill for the pin, which is a cool visual. Like it, uh, it, it seems super athletic for 1989. They're selling it like, <laughs> like he took off from the foul yeah, line. Yeah, that's exactly what, what I was going to say. It's like Jordan jumped from the foul line. Yeah, which isn't like, I mean, I'm sure it's it's athletic, but it's not that much further because he's on the nearest turnbuckle in the second ring to the other ring. Yeah, it was sick. Sense. It was sick. Yeah. It was cool. It just looks cool. He was so, Brian, and his name is Brian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wrote they treat it like the like, uh, whenever they broke the four-minute mile. Like, like <laughs> who among us could have ever thought Pist- it was possible? Pastrana landing the double backflip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's 10 minutes, 18 seconds. Pillman goes over. That gets two and a half stars. Uh, and then we go backstage, and we've got Gordon Sully with Paul E. Dangerously, uh, who's getting ready for his tuxedo match. And he cuts a really good promo here where he's talking about he's not worried about winning this match, but he knows that Cornette has blown his knee out from the uh, scaffold match a few years ago. So he just wants to cripple Cornette, basically, and take him out of the NWA so that he can be the top manager. But I thought, like, Paulie's good, man. He's good for a promo. Yeah, so they had to do the knee. Did you know the whole story around this match? I'm sure you yeah, know. that uh, Cornette slipped and hurt his knee like three yeah. days before yeah, the show. Terry Gordy like 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 threw a chair at him or something like that in a match that they were having, and uh, uh, some in like responding his body responding to the chair, whether he slipped or he like fell or something like that, he blew his knee out. Um, yeah. He said Terry Gordy had just lost his mind in the ring when they were wrestling one time. <laughs> That's our Terry. I love him. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, Cornette's knee was like done, done. Like he yeah. was, he was in, he was in excruciating pain this entire time. 
Well, and it's like, I mean, likely you're going to tell the story of the knee anyway, because it's a super easy. It's the only equalizer because everybody knows that Cornette can whoop Paulie's ass, like at least within kayfabe. I I would probably put money on on Cornette anyway, especially at this time because Paulie's only 23 years old. But uh, in in the story, Jim Cornette's the tougher manager than Paulie. Yeah. Uh, So next we have the Dynamic Dudes, uh, Andrew's team. Uh, an endorsed listen, Andrews team. Listen, last it, week. it might be my team, but it's also fourteen thousand five hundred people in Baltimore <laughs> Arena's team because yeah. they are over as shit. Uh, they are taking on the skyscrapers here. They bring the the dynamic the dynamic dudes come out. They got the skateboards. They got the frisbees. They grab <laughs> from the crowd what seems to be an unwilling child <laughs> to yeah, play the kid, frisbee with the, them. The kid is not jazzed about having to do something athletic and throw in front of fourteen thousand five hundred people. That's why you got to um, have a plant, man. You that's gotta... why you don't grab. The, I'm sorry, the chubby kid. You grab an <laughs> athletic looking kid. He's yeah. like, oh, you could definitely play catch right now. This kid's like, oh man, if they if they wanted me to bring like if they brought an Atari down, I'll show these <laughs> motherfuckers what I can do. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I'll beat Super Mario Brothers right now. Yeah, but I, yeah, I like they're only like three feet away from him, and yeah. like Johnny Ace is like throw the frisbee, dude, yeah. and the kid's like, nah, I don't want to. Nah, I don't want to throw this frisbee. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, they get to, so they get the kid the fuck out out of there right after yeah. that. Uh, so the skyscrapers are built from Metropolis. Fuck yeah, dude. That's, a, that's what, a good. I think it's a good place to build them from. Yeah, and there's like there's a couple of other fun build froms that I want to bring up later, right. but Metro- Metropolis is good. So. Yeah. Uh, Jim Ross takes a second to talk about the skyscrapers being athletes and everybody in this match looked like athletes, but they're not like the other, the other wrestling promotions, which feature like bodybuilders and muscle bound guys who can't move. Like uh, Jim Ross always good for slight digs at the WWF at this time. Yeah. And the NW, the NWA, uh, this uh, WCW did this a lot where, um, and, and I think it was like influenced by the NWA. Cause like uh, my even like P.S. Hayes was talking about this isn't entertainment. This is uh, this is commissioned uh, all that stuff in the in the, when he was a commentator. Like yeah. they were always doing things to separate themselves from uh, WWF. And uh, yeah, Jr. was like the leader of that shit. He did that a lot. Yeah. Uh, so as much as the dynamic dudes uh, stink, they yeah. do have some good double team moves in the early part of this match. Okay, right, down. they do, bro. <laughs> But uh, everything the skyscrapers do is cool looking, like even though they're the heels. So yeah. like uh, Spivey does a giant like front side slam and then he essentially does, they call it a power bomb, but it's essentially a razor's edge move to Johnny, to Johnny Ace. And the crowd is just cheering the skyscrapers because every move they have is cool. So, which is the opposite of what you want, but not the opposite of what you want if you're Sid. Because if we've learned Sid's whole career, bro, <laughs> I was gonna say we learn anything from Sid. It's people love Sid. People love Sid. They don't care uh, heel, babyface, whatever. Because he comes in and like big boots one of the babyfaces, and then they cheer him, and then he gives them like a come on cheer me more (laughs) like at movement with his hands and the crowd's like yes and they're chanting we want sid like i the man the man has an inherent charisma fucking ain't right they want sid yeah so uh, 
<laughs> Do you know all of Sid's ring names? Uh, isn't he also the master of pain? So there's a. Uh, I actually don't see that one on on uh, on Wikipedia. There's Sid Udi, his name. Sid Justice, yeah. Sid Steel, Sid Vicious, Psycho Sid, Vicious Warrior, Psycho Sid spelled differently, and my favorite one. Lord Humongous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know Lord Humongous because that's from uh, Mad Max. So God damn it. it. Like, they fucking stole another thing from Yeah. It was like him in leather uh, as Lord Humongous. Who's the master <laughs> of pain? Somebody was master of pain. Uh, and that what, was my... What were they? Disciples of pain? Oh, the Undertaker was master of pain. Ah, okay. Yeah. His opponent at WrestleMania 13. He so. was also going. We're going. We're going to WrestleMania this year. There's also uh, Undertaker was also Texas Red, which I think is sick, bro. He's a redhead yeah. guy, and Mean Mark Callis. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that one too. Yeah, yeah. Then That's heart when punch. I re- the heart punch was the heart punch. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, not my heart. <laughs> not my heart, man. He punched me right in the heart. God right damn it. in the. That's the one place I really didn't want to be punched. Uh, so, so the end of this match has Dan Spivey again hitting a very dangerous looking power bomb on it, it Johnny worst, Ace. It was the worst power bomb I've ever seen. And and Johnny Ace would just like that's one that if Johnny Ace was like a veteran wrestler, he'd get he'd kick out of that one. Like yeah. and be like, you got to do that shit again, bro. Like, don't do it to me though. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna tag Shane in. Do, do it, it to Shane. Shane. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wonder, here's what I wonder, if he's trying to drop Ace as low as possible f- to lessen the impact, and so, because I don't know how, I don't know how good powerbomb technology was at this point, like, if they knew that you could pick a guy up and, like, drop him from, you know, however high you've held him, and he takes a back bump. Well, I feel like anybody with, like, a, a decent knowledge of physics know would know that they'll hit the ground, uh harder if you let go lower because if you let go lower you have more time to accelerate down right if you let go up top then just gravity's taking them down and gravity is generally horseshit but if you uh uh if you go from if you let go if you like accelerate through that shit yeah well he's not snapping it like that's the different like the eddie guerrero power bomb where he would fucking look like he was trying to slam the dude through the mat oh man this is essentially he just flips uh Johnny Ace over and Johnny Ace gets like two inches off of the mat to do this front flip so that he doesn't die. Yeah. And and it was it was scary. It looked it was, crazy. It was and, so bad. It was so bad. Uh and like you said, if, he probably should have kicked out because it doesn't even look devastating. As it didn't a move. look it didn't look like like it looked like it could have paralyzed him, but it also looked like it didn't hurt at all. So like Yeah. <laughs> the uh, line between paralyzing him yeah. and it's and it didn't hurt at all is very is very that, thin that makes know? it the worst wrestling move of all time because it was dangerous as shit but it looked like it didn't hurt <laughs> yeah it's the it's the exact opposite, opposite of what you of what want from a want. Move. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so he should have kicked out and they should have done something else like have, yeah. have fucking sid powerbomb me yeah let sid powerbomb me his is good <laughs> uh that's nine minutes 14 seconds this gets one star but we get the skyscrapers over. They clearly want to do something with the skyscrapers. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, we're backstage with Cornette, and of course, Cornette cuts a good promo where he yeah. talks about 
His knee is injured, but uh, he's like, you know, if I if you break my leg, I'll hop over to you. You break both my legs, I'll crawl like a reptile on my belly over to you. <laughs> and uh, he's like, you know, before you're done with me, I'm going to be six feet under, and you ain't got it in you, brother, or whatever. To... Did, by the way, did you catch that uh, during Paul E.'s promo? Um, he had a part where he was talking about how he likes to take risks, and he was listing risky things he had done. And one of them was, I even hired Rob Lowe as a babysitter. Wow. Yeah. No, I did not hear that. Yeah. That's, you know, m one of the reasons that Paul E. Dangerously might have got fired. From he's, going, he's, going, he's going hard, bro. He's, he's hard. hard. Look, we know one thing about Paul E. He likes to shoot. So. He does like to shoot. You want to shoot? Let's shoot. Proceeds yeah. to not shoot that hard. And fucking kept, he keeps keeps holding his microphone to the crowd and staring at Bradshaw. Look, like it's like it's uh, Showtime at the Apollo. Yeah, this, oh. dude's, this dude's on Wilmer Valderrama's Yo Mama show. Remember they, they would go to yeah. go to each other's houses to do recon for the Yo Mama jokes? Yeah, that's... <laughs> I, uh, and arguably, JBL shot even harder because what JBL said was true <laughs> yeah like you went out of business you're a bad businessman you you didn't pay any of your wrestlers yeah. this but, is know. a reunion show asshole it's a, yeah you didn't quit on purpose <laughs> <laughs> yeah the only good uh the only really good shoot line was where he told bischoff i'm not at a wcw reunion show yeah, is, yeah that was yeah. a really good line that was a really good line but the re yeah. i can't remember what the rest of the lines were but like they were just not they didn't <laughs> match the his strut his like rooster strut the whole time he was doing it well the uh the only reason jbl was the champion for a year was because triple h didn't want to work tuesday oh yeah and that's, that's when he's like leaning on the fucking room yeah and jbl just knows because jbl's drunk as shit so he yeah. just no sells the the entire thing he does the sanford and son elizabeth I'm coming <laughs> oh yeah home. i forgot about that yeah, yeah. So our next match, uh, Jim Cornette versus the aforementioned shooter himself, Polly Dangerously, in a tuxedo match where the point is to strip your opponent of the tuxedo that he's wearing. This is much better than a brown panties match, in my opinion. Yeah, funny. Go it's funny. It's a, yeah, yeah, don't try to be sexy, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, Cornette, although he manages the Midnight Express, not from the dark side. So Where did they bill him from? From Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so uh, before watching this match, because I had listened to him talking about this match pre before, like a, yeah. a few months ago. So I went back and listened to that. There's a watch-along of this match on YouTube. So I synced it up and, and watched his commentary, and it was hilarious because backstage, so as we talked about, Cornette like, destroyed his knee a few days before this. And like he was... Uh, he said that he went through the whole. He's 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 talking. He, t he used this to take another dig at modern wrestling because he's like, I went through the whole backstage backstage looking for pain pills, and I could only find like a few pain pills, and it was because we didn't hurt each other back then or something like that. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he he was just hopped up on pain pills the whole time. He couldn't really put any weight on his foot, so like you can see him favoring his foot the whole time. And he told Paul E. He was wearing a big metal knee brace, and he told Paul E, because one of the first spots that they have is Paul starts whacking his knee with a phone. Yeah. And he's like, just hit my knee brace on the metal as hard as you can on the left knee, which is his bad knee. He he, he wanted Paul E to go after his, his knee, 
like that so he'd have a reason to limp because he's gonna limp so which is a very interesting concept um Right. Well, his like I, it's one of those things I think where he's like, "Look, dude, my knee is fucked. It, you can't hurt it more than it hurts." But within the story of the match, it should not be hurt beforehand. So you should <laughs> attack it. At least not as hurt as it already is. <laughs> right. Like you should attack it, pretend so that I can sell it because it's I'm gonna have to sell it anyway. I'm not yeah. actually selling. It hurts for real. Yeah. So, uh, so exactly. So Paul, uh, Paul, like obliges but throughout the match keeps going after the wrong knee he keeps yeah. going after the right knee and Cornette is literally like handing paul his left knee and and like <laughs> you could see him hide himself a bunch of times and, and, and he's like I'm, I'm saying wrong knee asshole or like yeah. or like the left knee i said the left knee and it, it, it was really funny to watch it and and then hear Cornette talk about how pissed he was at paul e going after the wrong knee the whole time uh, it's one of those things that I remember from reading the rocks book is apparently in, in American wrestling, you use the left hand to go through all your spots. So like if you and I are going to wrestle, if I'm going to, uh, put you in an arm bar, I go after the left arm because apparent for reversals and stuff, it's a lot easier to move, I guess. And oh, okay. In Lucha, it's the opposite. It's the right arm. But in American wrestling, they train you to go from the left arm. But he's doing a match with Owen Hart, and Owen Hart has a cast on his left on his left wrist, but it's a gimmick. It's a, his arm's not really hurt. But The Rock doesn't know that. So they start the match, and The Rock's like, well, I don't want to hurt this guy's arm. And so he like goes to the right arm, and Owen Hart was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, you know, I don't want to hurt you. And he's like, no, it's not, it's a, it's fake, dude. <laughs> this is not a real cast. My arm is fine. And so <laughs> and then they ended up switching it around, but it's, yeah, it's like, I don't know if Heyman just, uh, I don't know that it's exactly the same, but clearly Heyman was having trouble remembering which leg <laughs> is the left leg. It happens to me too. Like when I'm, I'm watching, oh, there's a lot of times when I'm watching matches and I'm trying to remember to track which, uh, which, limb is hurt like what what they're selling that which, which injury and it's hard for me to do it because i i thought i saw steamboat switch legs uh when him and and flair were going at it i can't yeah. remember which match um he probably didn't i probably forgot which leg it was um but i always try to track that and it's hard so like yeah. uh but Cornette said that they, he and Paul were like backstage for hours talking about this match, and he just kept talking about the left leg. Like, and Paul just kept going after the right leg. And uh, yeah, they so they they go straight for the tricks here. So like, Cornette immediately gets Paul's jacket off. Paul throws powder in Cornette's face like ten seconds into this match. Yeah, and that's how he takes over, and then works the knee for a while. Uh, they do a lot of weird. Uh, things they're essentially calling Paul a dandy, like all of his punches are weak, and they're saying that he was trained by either a dude named Bruce or Eric from San Francisco. <laughs> like I don't know what any of this means, Cornette, or I feel like I probably, or I feel like I do know yeah. what it means. But uh, then, interestingly enough, Jim Cornette does a Hulk up spot. <laughs> yeah, after a while, where he just uh, starts no selling all of Paul's offense. Paul goes back to the powder. But this time he gets kicked in his face. Good powder on Paul's face, because sometimes that shit doesn't it like it doesn't land in the face of the other guy 
or even on the the guy that you're throwing it at, and then he has to pretend that he got uh, powder in his eyes. Yeah. This right in the face. Yeah, and Cornette yeah. was talking about in the watch along how uh, how uh, Paul like completely telegraphed it, like because yeah. he's literally walking towards Cornette with with uh, with powder his in his hand, hand, open, holding it out. Like he's not yeah. he's not like getting ready to throw it at him. He's holding it out as if he's gonna hand it to Cornette, and Cornette just kicks it. Uh, which might help Cornette because he, he said that he was throwing – he was kicking his bad leg because uh, – he was kicking with his left leg because he couldn't put weight on his left leg. So he had to right. put weight on his right leg and swing the bad leg. Yeah, um, so, And, like, I don't care. They're managers. Like, yeah. I, you know, the, the illusion is lost, <laughs> yeah. essentially, if you watch Paul Heyman try to stomp Jim Cornette in this yeah. match. So uh, then Cornette, once Paul has the – powder in his eyes he strips cornet or he strips paulie of all of his stuff and cornet wins the tuxedo match six minutes 22 seconds guy in his underwear runs off trying to cover himself funny every always time funny. always yeah. funny the- cornet cornet was pissed that <laughs> he was pissed that uh paul e wore just normal underwear <laughs> yeah he's, he's like, like you need red hearts or some yeah like, he's like something I, embarrassing when, on it when i was uh he's like when i'm in a, in a um in a tuxedo match yeah, I'm wearing like stupid big giant boxers with red hearts on. He wore stinking normal underwears with with uh, with skid marks or whatever he says yeah. that he wore to the arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know it's it's always funny. The heel's face goes in the doo doo. You know, yeah, that's uh, that's all you need. Uh, this gets three quarters of a star, which impossibly beats, I believe, a match later on with real wrestlers in it. So. Uh, Honestly, I I I think this was fine. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, like, I mean, what do I want from two managers? Yeah, you know? it was fun. Like they weren't gonna have a five star slobber knocker. I think it was especially with Cornette's injury. You can't really take that into account when you're like uh, judging. Reviewing it. Yeah, reviewing. Yeah. But like, I think I think it was good. Like it yeah, was entertaining. This is the, you know? this is the flare steamboat of tuxedo matches. You yeah, know? probably. Like, it probably is. So we go backstage and we have Gary Hart with Gordon Soley. And I like Gary Hart as the manager here because he puts over Sting. He's like, look, you're a good champion. You're a great athlete. You've you've got a lot of potential. My guy's just better. Great Muda is better than you are. <laughs> and that's essentially it. My guy's undefeated. You're not undefeated. And uh, he says that Muda is going to call on the mystic powers of the Orient <laughs> to yeah, help, win, to help yeah. win this match. But I like those I those things as a heel or babyface, essentially in the NWA, where you like give credit to your opponent because it's supposed to be a sport. That's what ne- that's what never uh, makes any sense to me. And Chael Sonnen actually talks about this too. But um, when people are gonna fight somebody. And they don't put the guy that they're about to fight over. They're like, oh, he's weak. He sucks. Like, I'm going to beat this guy because he's no good and all that stuff. It's like, are you just trying to take your credit away when you beat this guy? Because, like, <laughs> right. you beat a guy who's no good and sucks. You didn't beat, like, if you say, hey, this guy's great. He's got really good skills. Uh, it's a really good way to test myself. I think this guy can beat anybody in the world but me. Like, all this shit. Then it's right. a really big accomplishment that you beat the guy. So, yeah. like. That's why. That's why. I mean, McGregor was always like after the fight, he would like sing the guy's praises and stuff. But I, I just don't understand why somebody would like completely be. It, you're just taking your credit away as it goes. Well, and in Chris Jericho's first book, he talks about. I think he was wrestling a guy named Bulldog Bob Brown or something. Some 
old wrestler and he cut a promo where he's like this dude's old as shit <laughs> like you know the, the old testament was just called the testament whenever he was young i'm gonna beat his ass because he's you know i'm much better than he is and uh after the promo the guy came over to him and was like hey why would you point out that i'm old and i can't wrestle anymore and i'm feeble and all this especially because guess what I'm winning this match. So uh, I'm going over. So now you just got beat by the old feeble, useless guy. Yeah. So that make you, if not more feeble and more useless than me, uh, especially in a fake fight where I get to decide if I win or not. So yeah. as much as yeah. it's, as much as it's fun to like belittle people, right? I have, I have, it's a pastime of mine, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a counterintuitive. Well, and there are clever ways to do it, but like, in this, I just like, they treat it like a real fight. Like, Sting is great. He's pretty great. He's just not as great as Muda. That's, you know, the great Muda's in his name. So, that is uh, true. our next match, we got the Varsity Club of Mike Rotunda and Kevin, or in, uh, Kevin Sullivan, who is Andrew's enemy. He's, yeah, it might be my least favorite wrestler, the Kevin Sullivan. Versus. I'm just kidding, but the, I, I, he's weird. <laughs> weird versus looking. on pay-per-view, the debuting Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott, with Missy Hyatt and their old dog blue or what, whatever their dog's name is. I'm glad he has secured the safety of the dog that we're not, yeah, we're, it, we will have no dog distractions in this match. It looks like the dog's name has to be blue. Cause it's like an old, like hound dog. It definitely looks like a blue. It's a blue ass dog. Yeah. Yeah. So, or Jasper. Yeah, yeah. So this is a Texas tornado match, uh, because the shit has to continue between the varsity club and Rick Steiner and they don't stop the beat. In continued fashion for all these Rick Steiner matches, they jump Rick Steiner at the beginning and then they drop him balls first on the on the uh, guardrail and he's just out for a while. Right in his nards and it's a good it was a good nard job. Yeah, they like yeah. they took his right left arm away from him and then they threw threw him on his nuts and like I told <laughs> tried you, to beat man, up his dog. It's I, yeah. I, 1989 Rick Steiner was perpetually crapped on. I feel like if 1989 hadn't happened, Rick Steiner would have had a way different career. Yeah. This is a, this is a wrestling match in the ring and like a bar fight on the floor. Cause Mike Rotunda and Scott Steiner are having a wrestling match and Kevin Sullivan and Rick Steiner are fighting. Yeah. What the... are you going to have a normal wrestling match with Rick Steiner? You know yeah, what I mean? Well, <laughs> He's a dog face uh, gremlin. That's true. Uh, really? <laughs> Rick spends as much time in the on the ring as he does on the floor. Like every time he gets in the ring, they just shit can him back to the floor. <laughs> did you? And, see, did you see when he's uh he's on the ground with I think is it Sullivan above him? Uh, I think I wrote it down. Um, yeah, it's Sullivan. He's on he's on the he's on his back and uh, Sullivan's standing above him and he's got Sullivan and he's trying to like flip Sullivan for like a pin, you know? Yeah. And he just starts from the ground headbutting Kevin Sullivan in the dick like like four or yeah. five times. Wham, oh yes. wham, wham, wham. Uh Rick goes for a sunset flip and the sunset flip doesn't work. Oh okay, okay. And yeah, so yeah. yeah, then he does that and to Kevin Sullivan's credit, gotta give the man credit, very funny sell. Very funny sell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like his legs his legs start shaking yeah. as he's walking away. He walked out he walked out real wobbly. Yeah, it was it yeah. was a really good sell. Really good sell. Uh so the end of this match has Scott Steiner coming off the top rope with a real janky looking crossbody onto Sullivan, who is holding up Rick Steiner for a slam. So it's kind of the finish we saw from the dynamic dudes. 
at the last yeah, show similar, we watched, similar, similar, but with a cross body, and yeah. then they end up falling on top of Sullivan and getting a pin in four minutes twenty two seconds, and this got three stars and continues the trend of like under ten minute just crazy brawls. Yeah, that the, that the NWA tends to have that get good reviews because they're it's just nonstop action. There's, there's never no... a, there's not a lull. There's not like a okay this match needs to be over uh, moment. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, it was good. It was fun. I, I love the Steiner brothers. Uh, I like I I I shit on Kevin Sullivan because he's weird looking, but uh, he's a he's been in a lot of really cool wrestling matches. To be honest, like I like Kevin Sullivan in that respect. Yeah, uh, we have Sting backstage with Eddie Gilbert, and Sting the face paint for Sting this time pretty cool. Yeah, it's got like a scorpion in the center of it, and it's orange, and it matches his orange tights, which are mm-hmm. also pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, this is actually calm, reflective Sting, which he says like normally I like to get hyped up for this shit, and I'm like at eleven, but like great Muda, I gotta I gotta be prepared because he's he's awesome. And yeah. I gotta take this dude on, and I gotta you know keep myself under control. And the mood is like a big challenge for him. Which again, you're putting over your opponent. Super good way to book a wrestling show, a yeah. wrestling match, in my opinion. And then he leaves, and it's just Eddie Gilbert. And Eddie Gilbert is like, you know, he's not normally like this. He's been like this all day. I've had to talk to him about it a bunch, and uh, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna watch his back because, of course, Gary Hart's out there, and so that's why we have Eddie Gilbert to offset. Gary Hart in our next match, which is the great Muda versus Sting for the world television title. And essentially how this came about was they challenged Sting uh, on the May 13th edition of World Championship Wrestling. And uh, then on the 20th, May 20th edition, Sting challenged Muda to an immediate match. But then Gary Hart was like, well, my guy's not ready. So we're not going (laughs) to, I'm not just going to put him out there like that. Uh, we gotta we gotta have preparation for this. Yeah. And so uh, then he uh, they ended up on the July first edition of World Championship Wrestling, announcing that Sting defends the belt against Muda at the Great American Bash, and Muda is still undefeated at this point. And he comes out and he's got the red face paint on again. He gets mm-hmm. red face paint from here on out. Mm-hmm. But uh, as we have, which offset, kind of stinks because I liked the blue. Yeah, the blue was cool, but uh, regardless, dope. Looks Great cool Muda. Looks cool. <laughs> Looking shit. cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they st- and I liked this. They used the, the two separate rings for something, actually, because Muda's in one ring, and Sting comes in, and he's in the other ring, and Muda won't get in the ring that Sting is in. So Sting just runs and jumps over the ropes, like both sets of ropes, onto Muda, which is a cool way to start this match. Yeah, yeah, d- definitely. And these, uh, this is a hype. This is pretty hype, bro. Like, the guy who they built build as a, a monster of like athleticism and technique versus like the the white meat baby face everybody loves crazy athlete from the United States. Like, yeah, it's a it's a good ma- it's a good matchup. Yeah, and it's a like it's a good match. These dudes have the the two of these guys have good chemistry. Yeah, yeah, and I, like, good. So well, so because for all the stuff that Muda can do which in 1989 is like revolutionary, like he, you know, the tope over the top to the floor and the handspring elbow, like Sting can equally do the high flying offense that, that Muda can do, which we haven't seen as of yet. Everybody that uh, Muda's wrestled so far has been like severely overmatched mm-hmm. uh, by the moveset that Muda brings. So 
Yeah, and uh, the one thing I didn't like is early on in this match, Sting no sells a Muda kick, and uh, I I didn't like that because they're I mean they're they're booking they're billing this guy as like a monster, and like I said, like he's got technique, he's a master of nine martial arts, like he uh, he hits like a truck, he's crazy powerful. You can't no sell one of his one of his kicks, like yeah. It was the, a kick to the, the chest. It was like a, a spinning kick to the chest, and he fucking no-sold it. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? I, like, I do like that immediately after that, though, Muda kicks him again, and then Sting sells it, and then he kicks him again, and, and Sting goes down. So yeah, I and agree. he sells those. He does sell those. Yeah, so it's like the first one, he's like, nah, that ain't nothing, and then Muda kicks him again, and he's like, oh, goddamn. Yeah. Uh, so that's the mysticism, isn't it? Uh, Muda <laughs> puts on... An Oriental sleeper, according to Jim Ross. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looks the same to me. Uh, I figure Great Mood is a first ballot Hall of Famer for the IWF Hall of Fame because he uh, shoots the mist at Nick Patrick during this match. Blinding Nick Patrick. You're one of your other enemies. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Nick Patrick, and your fucking uh, flailing ass arm. <laughs> and then Muda hits a moonsault, but the the new referee isn't in the ring yet. So that only gets a two count, which is a good way to preserve the moonsault as a finish, but also not beat Sting Yeah, in this instance. And then uh, he ducks one of Muda's kicks and picks him up for a back suplex and, and initially gets called the winner. Uh, and then by Tommy Young, and then Nick Patrick comes in and waves it off, and I'm like, dude, you got missed it, Nick Patrick. You don't know what the fuck you're seeing. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Who cares about you, Nick Patrick? Uh, And while all that's going on, Muda and Gary Hart just steal the belt, and they're like, well, guess what? My belt. And they just fucking take off, and we're left in the ring with Sting, but it looks like uh, they're trying to say that at a certain point, both guys' shoulders were up, and then both guys' shoulders were down. And yeah. they're trying to figure out at which count each thing is happening. Yeah, so we, and, get, we get some controversy at the end. Yeah, and I feel like the boys didn't um, necessarily execute that the, the greatest because it looks to me that Muda's shoulders are like just down the whole time. And then uh, yeah. and at one point, one of Sting's shoulders touches the ground for like a second uh, or something. Yeah. Like, Is that what you saw too? Yeah, I think I saw Muda roll his shoulder that's not on the camera side, uh, which is which is bad work from from either the cameraman or from Muda if that's the the thing you're trying to sell, you know. And then they don't have like a reverse angle, or if they did, they didn't show it because maybe it doesn't show what they want to show, mm-hmm. you know. And I think this is like this is one of the other NWA big. We got to get out of one of these matches, and we don't want to beat either guy but we don't want to not have a pinfall finish because that this is similar to what they did with Flair and Steamboat in the second match where Flair's foot is on the rope uh, and the shoulders are down and you sort of leave it in like a controversial place for the next, for the TV to, to try to figure out. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I get it. Which is fine. Yeah. yeah. It's, but you do it too much. It's like a dusty finish. It's like, didn't I just see them? Yeah, do this finish a couple it's, weeks ago. It's almost to the point, like, we talk about how this was a great matchup, but it's almost to the point where if you're going to do that, if you can't beat either of them, then don't put them together. Yeah, don't have a match if if somebody can't win the match. Yeah. You know? uh, but this is uh, eight minutes and 40 seconds long, gets three and three-quarter stars, and this is like a 
pretty good under 10-minute match. Yeah, it was good. good. Uh, then we go backstage with Luger, who is with Gordon Sully. I can't figure out if Lex Luger is good at this point in 1989. I think he might be good, but his pro- like he is, for being the total package, he doesn't exude a lot of like charisma, Mike charisma here. Now he had more life in this than he has in other things. So like, you're right. But that like, it's still better than like a lot of the other horse shit he's done throughout his career. Like this is definitely better than NWO Lex Luger, like an NWO era Lex Luger, you know, like uh, when he was the, like kind of the king of the non NWO uh, contingent when everybody was going Um, that whole era, like, and even like a few years later than this, like Lex Luger is, I, I feel like pretty boring. But this might be one of the better Lex Lugers, I'd say. Yeah, I think especially in ring, we'll get to it. Like this is a pretty good Lex Luger for that part. It's just he never really like he's just very calm, and maybe that's the treating it like a sport aspect of it. Because, uh, but it, I don't get like cocky heel from him necessarily because he doesn't lean into it enough in my opinion yeah. like i yeah. it's it's because we've seen i was thinking about this the other day i think it was 1997 um was it no it no 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 it wasn't it was uh i think it was later on I, well you'll tell me one of our early episodes um lex luger was backstage and he was like uh like fixing his hair like he's being like mr vanity man yeah. It was the first time we saw Lex Luger. I can't remember. That, uh, that was at the, I believe, the um, Uncensored 96, the Cage of Doom. Oh, so, okay, so it was one of our first episodes. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, because that... he's, he's back there and he doesn't want to get, like, he's looking at a mirror and he doesn't want to get hurt and he has Jimmy Hart with him. And, yeah. like, that, that Lex Luger is maybe the best Lex Luger. And that's that's what I was going to say, like, Luger is in, in, in this, in this, in this, um, promo, he, he turns up the arrogance a little bit from where he, he is in certain, certain times in his career. He turns up the cockiness and all that stuff. That is where Lex Luger should have went with, with his gimmick. It seemed like, I don't know if it was him himself, like he didn't want to be hated or he, that wasn't him. So he didn't even, even though it probably is him. Cause fucking look at him. Um, you know, he got addicted to working out for sure. He took a bunch of steroids, like all that shit. But like, um, leaning into that stuff is where he's at his best, in my opinion, and he just didn't do that enough throughout the '90s. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it seems like it would be such a uh, like knocking it out of the park thing. To yeah, be, to be that guy, but he just hasn't grasped, like he hasn't grabbed onto it fully. Yeah, I wonder because there's a lot of options as to why he didn't do that. Like he didn't want to. He didn't want to be that guy. They didn't. They didn't want. Him, they didn't want him to be that guy. He wasn't. He didn't know how to be that guy. Like a, yeah. a lot of the things. Uh, I feel like he might have had some. Like he was never like a performer. Meaning, like he it, he didn't. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that grew up wanting to perform. Right. Uh, He's his charisma is physical charisma. It's like a yeah. Holy shit! Look at that dude. Yeah. He's fucking chiseled. Kind of physical charisma. Yeah. You know, and so. Uh, he's talking about this match is supposed to be no disqualification coming up with him and Ricky, the dragon steamboat. And he's essentially like, look, I decide how I defend my title. I'm not going to let somebody else. Who's not the champion. Tell me how my matches go. And, uh, if you want this match, it's going to have to be not 
a no disqualification match. And then he walks off and then uh, Gordon Sully gives us a, gives us clarification in case we missed it where he's like, so essentially what he's saying, he's the exposition guy. (laughs) So if there's a, if no disqualification clause is in there, Lex Luger says he's not going to wrestle back to you, Jim. Uh, Yeah. We fucking heard him Gordon. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) So the way this came about is because if you'll remember last time we saw Lex Luger, he was a baby face. Um, and he, over the last few months had decided that he was being held back and that they weren't putting him in contention for the world title and over Ricky Steamboat or Terry Funk. And so at clash of the champions seven, Terry Funk wrestled Ricky Steamboat and got disqualified because he hit him with a microphone because of course Terry Funk did that. (laughs) Uh, And so then Luger makes the save, but then attacks Ricky Steamboat (laughs) after making the save. And then he saved him and then fucked him up. Yeah. He saved him to beat him up himself. So then Luger said that he attacked steamboat because he was tired of being a baby face and making the fans happy. And he wanted to prove that he's better than Ricky steamboat. So, uh, also Luger had regained the U S title at a live event from our friend, Michael Hayes. This is a big, well, Luger was already like an established thing at this point right but this is yeah. still a big program for him uh he gets to wrestle a guy who just had three amazing matches with the champ yeah. like and and is the last world champ like the most recent yeah other that is true is yeah, yeah for sure so, uh this is ricky steamboat versus lex luger the challenger ricky steamboat is being led to the ring by his beautiful family yeah. uh so like, you gotta stop it man we uh, get it man and he's but also, yeah, <laughs> then he comes out on a board carrying a goddamn Komodo dragon, <laughs> dude. And Ricky Steamboat's theme, kind of a low key banger. Like it's that sort of Pacific Islander, like knockoff, like yeah. generic Asian music. Yeah, but like yeah. it has a cool drum thing under it. Like it, it kind of, it kind of bops. Yeah, and you're not Ricky the Komodo dragon steamboat, <laughs> like. Yeah, but I, I I I wrote down uh, if uh, hold on if lizards could scream, that dude would be making a ruckus all the way to the <laughs> ring. I wrote, "Oh shit, he's got a Komodo dragon," and then I wrote, "I don't want to be a pawn in your game, Ricky." Seriously, it, dude, like, like the drag, it's a dragon. He doesn't want to be out there. Be there, like. <laughs> In in uh, in Maryland, like there's yeah. no Komodo dragons in Maryland. No, no. other Komodo dragons. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the dragons wearing like a the the actual dragon, not Ricky the dragon, yeah. uh, is wearing like a leather harness that has yeah. spikes on the top of it. Yeah. Y'all so put it's this like more shit on me. <laughs> he's like a member of Demolition. Yeah, and the my ancestors the, are millions of years old. <laughs> And he's just like sticking his tongue out because that's how they gather information about yeah. where they are. And he's like, "This air tastes gross out here, dude." There is fourteen thousand five hundred asses in this building right here. Yeah, and ain't one of them clean. No, um, <laughs> and and then like okay, bringing out a Komodo dragon, pretty sick. But but obviously they can't do anything with the dragon. It can't bite anybody. It can't like, you can't sick it on anyone. Cause it's an actual fucking predator. Yeah. So then they just hand the dragon off to somebody and then it just leaves. And it's like, well, that was all right. You know, he came out on this, he had to balance on this board while holding this other living creature. Fucking Luger grabs the dragon's tail and just starts slamming him <laughs> on the ground. Yeah. Uh, or in Loki. <laughs> so then Luger, I believe he is. He they hit him with a spotlight, 
and I think he's supposed to be on a platform that spins. And he's like hitting the double bicep pose and he looks great. And it does like a quarter turn spin and then stops. And I, and I swear I saw Luger like try to use his feet to fucking turn it some more. And then he just like got off and he was like, you know what? I'm not a fool. I will not yeah. stand on this platform and wait for it to finish its rotation. Who am I kidding here? <laughs> yeah. Is this the same guy who tried to spell Ric Flair's name? Put this together. Did you not, did you not weight test it for 275 pounds of fucking jacked muscle? God damn it. <laughs> Said he was gonna get on that fucking thing. <laughs> you said it was gonna spin. You gave me a guarantee. It's the last time I hire you. Did uh, you not WD forty it, Steve? So, yeah. If that's not what happened, then I am wrong. If that is what happened, hilarious. It's funny. Uh, yeah. It's funny. So Luger <laughs> comes out and to a man of his word goes like, "Hey, if this is no disqualification match. I fucking walk. Uh, like I'm not into it." And they kowtow to his demands. They're I don't like, know oh. if you guys heard what I said backstage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a guy comes out and tries to be like, come on, let it be no disqualification. And he's like, no. <laughs> they're like, all right. <laughs> it's his title, bro. Yeah. Fine. All Lex right. Luger. Like, I choose not to wrestle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I wrote, so they waive the no DQ stipulation. How do you think this match is going to end? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's like in WWE when the when like there's a big match and then like five minutes before they're like this match has been changed to a no disqualification. <laughs> oh, somebody's oh, coming so in, aren't they? They couldn't think of a finish, could they? <laughs> yeah. uh, I hope that doesn't happen to us when we go to WrestleMania at the goddamn Granddaddy. <laughs> so, uh, this is a good match. Ricky Steamboat could sell his ass off, man. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he, he like. He 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 actually dominates early in this match, even though this is the first kind of thing where he's the undersized guy because uh, Flair and Steamboat are basically the same size and body type, mm-hmm. and Luger's fucking jacked yeah. at this point in time. And so then when Luger takes over, Steamboat just sells all of his power moves great. And I again, I think it's desperation is the word. Like Ricky Steamboat when he sells has such desperation in his body like he's in he's racked with pain like it's a, every everything that it, that he has is what it takes to throw one more chop you know <laughs> on his on his comeback and i think like that's why deep. yeah like that's why people get into it and he any he sweats it's a weird thing to notice but like he sweats like a motherfucker and so i'm like yeah that guy's tired i can, <laughs> i think that i can tell that he's pretty tired yeah um yeah, he's got good exhaustion body language. Like, yeah. he, he drags his ass around when he's... Yeah. Um, and the... Uh, interesting, like, the crowd is still kind of with Luger. Like, I think there's a chant for Luger at one point in this match, and then he hits, like, a power slam off the ropes, and the crowd cheers for him. So they're, they haven't fully bought in to heal uh, coward Lex Luger yet. Like... He doesn't look like a coward. He looks like a giant jacked dude uh, who's going to beat somebody up. So. Yeah, it's a little confusing. <laughs> he yeah. is scared. Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, and so the end of the match is after Ricky Steembo gets a near fall with a chop off the top rope. Devastating. Oh, man, it hurts more. Uh, Luger goes out to get a chair because he's like, see, if I get disqualified, I don't lose the belt. 
and he comes in with the chair and Steamboat double legs him and gets him in the position to do the slingshot and Luger just keeps holding the chair for some reason (laughs) while he's like laying down. I mean, not for some reason. I know suspension of disbelief, but like, dude, come on. You got to give me, got to give me something. Why wouldn't you throw the chair away? And he is my goddamn chair. What am I going to do? Get rid of this chair. Yeah. So he vaults uh, Luger into the turnbuckle. Luger hits his head on the chair. That is not a disqualification because uh, that is Lex Luger's own hubris getting in the way. But then Steamboat is so, I guess, so mad at the idea that Lex Luger would try to cheat that he decides that he's going to then beat the shit out of Lex Luger with this chair. Like, I don't understand Steamboat's motivation. Most he's of this, not wronged. Most of this is confusing because... Um, so, uh, uh, fucking Luger doesn't want this to be no Q, no DQ. Uh, but Steamboat, for some reason, the baby face wants it to be no DQ. I guess he's worried that Luger is going to like try to get DQ to keep the belt or something. Yeah. The, and uh, then... the story is Luger will try to chicken shit his way out of this thing. Cause he and, doesn't want to face steamboat. And then, but the baby face loses his <laughs> shit. Yeah. And like pushes the ref. Yeah. And like, it was really, I, did, I didn't, I was like, this, this doesn't, this doesn't feel like a Ricky steamboat thing to do. Like, uh, like if Luger had, taken the chair and hit him and like, you know, worn him out with it or something. Then I, I guess steamboat can't make the comeback thing. Cause he's having to sell the chair, but then it would make sense. But like, this is essentially he, he stopped Lex Luger from cheating. Lex Luger got injured with his own weapon that he brought in. And then steamboats like, how dare you try to cheat? And then proceeds to cheat. Yeah. Which is an odd, it's an and, odd move for the babyface. As like ultimate integrity babyface too. Like he's not yeah. just like some, some babyface like out there. Like he is the babyface, right? Of the of the fucking company. <laughs> yeah, like brought to the, the ring by his family. Yeah, he came. Yeah, his kids and a and the family pet <laughs> came to the ring today. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, Ricky the Komodo Dragon Blood is. Yeah, that? <laughs> it was a weird. It was a weird. Weird. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like that sequence. So he hits Luger in the back with the chair, and then he hits Luger in the chest with the chair, which is not a uh, chest, which is not a chair shot you see often. Yeah, uh, not to the head, just to the chest. And then Luger runs away, and Steamboat chases him, which again <laughs> has the baby face. I'm not sure. Like Luger's begging off, like he's scared for his life, and Steamboat's running him down with this chair all the way up the aisle. Yeah, it's just weird for the babyface to be like, like he shouldn't. He should be if you if you looked at the WCW roster before this show, and they were like, okay, you get to pick one of these wrestlers as the guy who can't lose control of himself, push a referee, and chase a guy down the thing with a chair. Um, you would pick Ricky Steamboat. Nobody yeah. wouldn't pick Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, oh, and so mean, like, you mean Ricky self-control Steamboat? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. and he's he's coming down, and he's not turning heel right now, right? Right. No. So like, Ricky, Ricky Steamboat just, never heel. It's just fucking weird, man. Just yeah. Weird. So 
that uh, gets our disqualification, not from Lex Luger, but from Ricky Steamboat. In 10 minutes, 26 seconds, this match got four and a quarter stars. And I know I didn't have a lot of notes about like what was happening in the match, but it was, it was really good. I thought like uh, this is probably one of Luger's better periods as like an in-ring wrestler, even if the charisma is not correct. Quite yeah. I, I didn't think he, I didn't think he held this match back. Like, no. so um, <laughs> I, I thought it was good. Uh, then we go to Jim Ross, who is explaining that they are setting up the war games cage. So while they're setting up the cage, they throw to a promo with the Freebirds and the Samoan SWAT team. And the SWAT team is like leaning down in front of the Freebirds the whole time. Just it's like a cheerleading picture. <laughs> yeah. Like basically pretending to bite each other the whole time while yeah. Michael Hayes cuts this promo. Uh, and Hayes has some good lines in here. At the end, he's like, we go in through the outdoor. We go up the downstairs. We're bad. <laughs> you know, we're good times in the bad time or whatever, you know. I love that shit. I love uh, that shit. I, I yeah, push when it says pull, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and Terry Gordy says they got the bomb, baby, and yeah. they're going to drop it in Maryland. I thought they go entertaining. Yeah, entertaining heel promo from the Freebird SWAT team. Yeah, I was a little annoyed because Garvin and uh, Hayes stood too close to each other. So like Gordy's in the back, like trying to like move, like trying to position his head between them to the to, so the camera can see him. Just stand yeah. a little bit further. I know that they're like <laughs> Dusty and I watched the thing where they were like trying to promote Garvin and uh, and Hayes as the Freebirds now because they needed a full time Freebirds. Terry Gordy wasn't full time. So I understand that they're trying to establish themselves, but God damn it. That is Terry Bam Bam Gordy. <laughs> yeah. Mind your P's and Q's. Have some fucking respect for the King. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, uh, and then we get the babyface team. Uh, who's not, who aren't as good. Like there's a reason I, the midnight express needed Jim Cornette for their promos. Like it's, it's okay. But Stan Lane is not a charisma machine on the microphone. Uh, and then, like, there's a weird Dr. Death promo in the middle of it. Like, the baby faces aren't together. It's like uh, the the Midnight Express do their promo, then they leave. Then uh, Dr. Death does his promo, and then the, the he brings in the Road Warriors to do their part. Well, and... the Dr. Death promo was, like, so the, the, the Midnight Express are doing their promo, and... Uh... Doctor Death flies like a like a plane into the like across the screen like a Superman like a Superman and then he and then yeah. he Superman's back across the screen the screen and uh, he says he's going bird catching yes um, and he also uh, because of, because of the Freebirds you see because free and birds. he also says uh, that's the other team in this in this thing you know the wrestling is yeah. Freebirds um, and then. Uh, he also says that he needs bug spray to kill the Samoyans. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, the dangers of letting wrestlers write their own promos. Like, we are we are pro letting wrestlers write their yeah. own promos, but this is what happens sometimes when and, you do And that. I think Dr. Death at one point says, I'm a tough guy. You guys are tough guys. Talking to the Road Warriors. We're all tough guys. Yeah. Tough guys. Tough guys. And then the Road Warriors cut their normal promo. Uh, uh, yeah, and Hawk goes at one point, Hawk, like, the difference between us and every other stinking man on this planet is is this. And then he said, <laughs> like, he, he yeah. forgot what he was going to say. Well, he's like, I got beat down by five guys. Normally, a guy will be out for a year when that happens. I didn't even take a week off. Yeah. <laughs> and again, 
I that sounds badass to you, but then how ineffectual are the dudes that beat you up? If that's the case, you know, like unless you're Wolverine, uh, Hawk, you know. <laughs> Listen, so I didn't, I, I didn't enjoy the babyface promo nearly as much as the the heels promo, but no, that no brings, it wasn't as good. That brings us, Andrew. The War Games. To the War Games. <laughs> uh, with the Midnight Express, the Road Warriors, and Dr. Death Steve Williams versus the Fabulous Freebirds of Michael Hayes, Jimmy Jam Garvin, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and the Simone Swat team. So this came about because, if you'll remember, at the last pay-per-view, they held up the World Tag Team titles after the Varsity Club Road Warriors uh, match, and then they had a tournament. And within that tournament the uh, Freebirds became the new champions because they beat the Midnight Express in the finals. But there was interference of the Road Warriors and the Simone SWAT team in each other's matches throughout the tournament. And that's how their rivalry began. And then, uh, this is an interesting thing on Wikipedia, on the June 17th edition of World Championship Wrestling, Steve Williams, who had previously been with the Varsity Club, became a fan favorite when Jim Cornette made him the newest ally of the Midnight Express. <laughs> oh, <laughs> as that's easy just, as that. That's just how over the Midnight Express were. Yeah, it's like we need another guy. What about Doctor Death? It's and like so, it's like getting your Rockefeller Records chain. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, first glance, two rings, big ass cage. What do you think of the presentation of the board games? I like it. I'm for it. It's cool. It looks cool. Yeah, it looks fine. You know? It looks fine, and. uh it's uh I feel like this is one of the um one of the match formats that can be good and can be terrible. Yeah, um well we'll get to that. I uh again, Bad Street USA. Hell yeah, dude. Well, yeah, Every dude. single time. It uh, can't get better. This time at a normal volume because Terry Gordy's in this match, so he's not demanding that it be heard from space yeah. uh, while the Freebirds are coming out. Last week we talked about the chorus. I wanted to let you know the full chorus, Bad Street USA, is Bad Street Atlanta GA, Bad Street in the whole USA, Bad Street Nasty and Hot, the further down the block you went, the badder it got. Fuck <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Did PSAs so, write that? Yeah. The, the verses, I can't figure out how they rhyme. But it, like some of them, but it's it's kind of cheesy. But I don't need to. No, they come out. Uh, it's awesome. And then the Road Warriors come out, not to be outdone, on the back of choppers, like standing on the back pegs down the ramp, which all which also looks cool. Yeah, they looked cool as shit, and like it was like an epic entrance. Uh, like the, we've also got the Road Warriors, the goddamn fucking Road Warriors. <laughs> yeah, um, imagine imagine Iron Man plays while that's happening. Yeah, like, and you could faintly hear it on this. Yeah. By the way, um, but uh, little didn't expect the Road Warriors to be riding on other people's motorcycles because they were the passengers on these motorcycles. Yeah, that's an interesting uh caveat to it still looked badass still looked badass like, i'm just surprised they were down for that yeah um so uh, hawk was so, like man i am way too drunk to ride a motorcycle to the yeah. ring right now um <laughs> if you'll remember from our SummerSlam 92 review many many moons ago they did ride their own motorcycles to the ring they did i remember that i remember yeah. that so that's why i was like i'm surprised that they didn't ride yeah so the match format for anybody who doesn't know 
is it's two five man teams in the war games and they you start with a guy from each team and they do a five minute period in the ring and then every two minutes they alternate new members from each team and once you know it andrew the heel team won the advantage because the heel team has to win the advantage i've seen some war games where the babyface team won the advantage and that it makes no sense for the no, layout. You don't of the want match. the baby. You don't, you don't want the babyface team to have an advantage. To ever have a two-on-one advantage, because no. that's not babyface shit. No. Babyfaces, no. babyface, babyfaces. One of them will sit out just to make it fair. Yeah. So uh, we start the match. It's Bobby Eaton and Jimmy Garvin to start, and then of course, because it's one-on-one, Bobby Eaton spends about a, g- a good portion of this five minutes beating the crap out of Jimmy Garvin, uh, which is good. Because it's uh, if the babyface and the heel are on evil on equal footing, the babyface should have the advantage, because he's good. Hundred so, percent. Uh, then we get Terry Gordy coming in there, uh, and in the second guy, and then one of my favorite things in this match, we get the ongoing commentary on the heel team side between Polly Dangerously and Michael Hayes because they <laughs> they're strategizing the whole time, yeah. and the camera goes to uh, to. Polly dangerously and he goes we got michael going in there next that's no more road warriors and then i send in the samoans <laughs> and then we cut to hayes who's talking to someone in the crowd and he goes shut your mouth before i stick my foot down your throat you baltimore puke <laughs> you baltimore puke bro that's yeah. one of my favorite lines ever uh, <laughs> uh so and then we have dr death come in next for the babyface team and he does one of the spots that i remember from the time that I saw this match originally to now, where it's him and Gordy, and he picks Terry Gordy up and Gorilla presses him into the top of the cage like eight times. Like eight times, yeah. That shit is impressive as hell. Even if Terry Gordy's helping him, that is impressive as hell. Yeah, and I don't know how much you can help in that scenario. Like, he is, he is literally just fucking military pressing this guy. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Dr. Death is a monster. Yeah, they and there's like, I don't know, there's not a lot in this thing other than the various entrances. So it's like every time the babyface comes in, or every time a, a new heel comes in, they take over on the babyfaces and beat them up. And then the new fresh babyface comes in and evens it out. And then the uh, that baby, the babyface team evens it up and takes over. And that's the formula. And it's, it's yeah. good. It's a yeah. good formula. It is good. Uh, when Animal comes in, again, super athlete, he does a flying shoulder tackle, clearing both sets of ropes uh, uh, from one ring into the other on the heel team. And we go back outside to Michael Hayes, who's trying to hype, who, by the way, hat didn't come in. Samu came in third yeah, yeah, instead of Michael Hayes. Yeah. And then he's hyping up Fatu outside the ring. And yeah. he's like, you're going in next. Kill, kill, eat. <laughs> eat. <laughs> and, he's, and he's like got him by the hair and he's like shaking his head yeah uh, it's awesome hayes is awesome That's in great. this match so then fatu comes in so again michael hayes not in this match so yeah. <laughs> uh dan lane comes in for the baby face and they just everybody it looks like a real fight it's just real sloppy and dudes are beating the crap out of each other and we go back to Heyman and hayes and michael hayes goes uh, and uh, Polly dangerously goes, "All right, you're next, Michael." And he goes, "I gotta go." Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I, like... I, I think he said it twice too. He's like, "I gotta go." I gotta go. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like he didn't realize he had signed up 
to be in the war games. I, I actually got to do this, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then, this is the moment that I predicted last week. Yeah. I hope that it's the one. Yeah. And what is possibly the greatest moment in wrestling history. <laughs> Mankind beats The Rock. Maybe <laughs> Steve Austin does the uh, does the beer truck. Kurt Angle does the milk truck. <laughs> in the pantheon of greatest moments of wrestling history, Michael Hayes enters the war games. DDT, 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 DDT. DDT's all four baby faces. Everybody's in one of the two rings, so he realizes he doesn't have enough space to celebrate. Leaves the ring that everybody's in to go to the empty ring to strut. Does, does, this, does, does the little, like, almost, it's almost a flare strut, but it's his own thing, and then he, he gyrates his hips a little bit. The greatest, the the greatest moment in wrestling history. Just, yeah. just it was like it's the half baked. Fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. He just comes in immediate. They even miss the DDT on Doctor Death. So like he just walks up. DDT's Doctor Death <laughs> goes and grabs one of the Road Warriors. DDT's him. Grabs Bobby Eaton. DDT's him. DDT's Hawk. <laughs> puts his arms up in front of the whole crowd. Realizes there's not enough room to strut. <laughs> Leaves the ring, goes to the other ring. He's got to get a strut on. Where he's by himself. I mean, he just DDT'd the universe. Yeah, the entire universe. Um, that's been one of my favorite my favorite wrestling moments uh, since I saw this match originally. Even as a kid, I was like, "That's kind of the coolest shit anybody's yeah, ever it, pulled it off." It was amazing, and I had just seen that when I texted you. Uh, yeah. I, I was like, man, is there an, is there another moment like later to the interview him or something? But is could anything if, beat this? That was amazing. That was amazing. The, the Four DDTs in a strut. Four DDTs. Oh. He just gets the he just fucks off and struts, in the end. <laughs> and then and then uh, at the end of his celebration, Hawk, because uh, I don't think Hawk's in the in the in the ring yet. No, Hawk's Hawk not was in the last. Yet. And yeah. so Hawk Hawk is like he's holding on to the to the chain link. And yeah. uh, Hayes kicks the chain link in front of him, like he's like he's kicking <laughs> yeah. Hawk, and like he kicked his fingers out or something like that. So it's great. great. Hawk comes in. Now we got all ten guys. Now we've been doing the war games, but Andrew, do you know what happens now? After the war games, it's the match beyond Andrew. <laughs> oh god! Damn it. <laughs> Once all ten guys are in, oh yeah. Now it's the match beyond. Yeah. So. Uh, Hawk comes in and just a boss. He fucking double flying clotheslines the Simone Sawat team. He does a flying tackle over the top rope, just like Animal. And then they essentially, but they fight for a while. And then Jimmy Garvin gets hit with a flying clothesline and then a neck breaker. And Jim Ross is like, he's trying to break Jimmy Garvin's neck. Yeah. And then it's a filthy Hawk, neck breaker. Yeah, Hawk gets him in a what's called a hanging neck breaker where he puts him in the neck breaker position and then just lifts him over his back so he's hanging and that's a submission hold and in the war games you can only submit or surrender and so the ref jumps in because a submission hold is on and Jimmy Garvin submits in 20 in 25 minutes or 22 minutes 18 seconds this gets four stars uh what did you think of your first war games match. I thought it was great, dude. I really enjoyed it. There are really top level war games matches 
and there are some war games matches that are like the war. It all it depends on the opponents. It That's depends what I'm on saying. The, like this like, is a format that like it could be really good or it could really suck. Well, and then later on, so you've got a winning formula. I get it. Let yeah, get these dudes in a double cage, <laughs> and if there's any heat to what's happening, the match should be great. Later on, they decide to fuck with the the format, and then it's a singles match with with teams but it's like team wcw but only one guy can win it's like team wcw versus team nwo versus team nwo black and white but only one guy can win so even if you and i are on the same team i'm we're both trying to win i think it was a title shot it was like so i'm gonna not help you because it's not to my advantage to help you because i want to win the title shot also but it's in the double cage oh man what are you... yeah I was like, what are you doing why <laughs> That that match format sucks anyway. Yeah. Why mess with the war games? Like it's a proven formula that people get behind. It's a heat generating match, even if your program isn't that hot. Because you you put people in a cage, and you you have them do the the cycles, you know, and it's like it's guaranteed to build heat. Yeah. It yeah. It, it was it it was a heat machine. Uh, the 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 next one uh, is an even bigger one, but like. The Road Warriors, man. Yeah. The Road Warriors tore that crowd to pieces, man. And Well, uh, and having Hawk come in last is, yeah. like, the big... And having Hayes come in last for the heel team and lay everybody out, like, <laughs> it, it... You can do so many... It's like a cheat code. There are so many ways to lay it out where you can build uh, your own little mini-matches within the big match. It's awesome. The format, it's one of the biggest winners of all time as a wrestling concept like it's such a it's such a home run it's almost impossible to jack to like mess it up yeah yeah didn't uh aew do one recently they have a thing called blood and guts which is essentially the same uh, oh, i thought thing. they literally did something called war games I guess. no because the wwe owns the trademark fuck yeah so, get the fuck out of here bro <laughs> uh, wwe this year is doing a war games for survivor series it's like a, uh, I imagine the bloodline will be in it versus uh, some baby faces. Like uh, the thing that I that I, the only thing I wish is that like I don't think that the war game should be annual. It's like the hell in the cell to me. Like you should save it for when it matters to like a program. Yeah. Like because if you do it, if you go because for a while every year at Fall Brawl, the WCW pay per view, they had a war games match. So like every September. I would be like, okay, so what's going to be the War Games match? Because they always have War Games at Fall Brawl. And that is not the way you should do it. You should wait until you have something that you want to put in the War Games that you've been building up and dust it off like every one to two years. Yeah, it's, so hard. That... it's, it's hard to turn down that regular nut as, as yeah. like, because Vince, I think it seemed like Vince realized that if he brands things and does them annually, he can slowly make like maybe individual pot heat won't be as good, but it, it becomes like something that you can, it's like long-term money rather than like a big, a big, big bang. But like promotion wise. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Like, and if you're just talking about promoting a good wrestling show, it makes sense to keep something like that in your pocket, especially the cell. Um, did you notice that the, uh, I don't know what the road warriors were thinking. They were going to do a doomsday uh, device. A doomsday device. Yeah. In the war games cage that is like <laughs> way not t- what not uh, tall enough yeah. to to have um, animal with Terry Gordy on his shoulders. 
and yeah, I I'm glad they decided to abort the attempt at that because uh, they did do one. They did a modified one in the first War Games to James J. Dillon, the uh, Four Horsemen's manager, and fucked his shoulder up like <laughs> bad. Is that J. J. Dillon, the future like WCW? Um... Yeah, commissioner guy. Yeah. yeah, like they they messed his shoulder up because he couldn't. He didn't have enough space to take the bump correctly to his back. So he like rolled onto his shoulder and just slammed on his shoulder. Oh jeez! Uh, and then let's see if we can do an experiment real quick. Do you have uh, the availability to go to YouTube uh, at this moment? Uh, try to look up Sid Powerbombs Brian Pillman because you'll see uh, not everybody was smart enough to not try to do their moves in the war games uh, match. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay. So, if there's Sid a quick nearly kills Brian Pillman. Yeah, so let's get a let's get an instant reaction to uh for all Andrew on this one. So this is from another War Games. Sid, that's, pro that's probably too loud. I apologize for that, everybody. That's loud as shit. Yeah, I don't know how much I can like. That's better. He goes to pick up Pillman. His legs. Oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching it again. Uh, Pillman's legs get stuck, so he can't fully extend, and Sid just drops him right on his neck. Straight down, bro. Um, that it's like that is like a horseshit, like a pile driver. Where I don't know, like that was terrible. Yeah. Um... Uh, we said that uh, the Sid's teammate had the worst power bomb of all time. God damn it. Uh, I might have seen a worse one. Yeah. Well, that one is because Sid, I mean, it's not he's still just Sid's fault, thinking. but he it's, just, yeah, he just, he wasn't just thinking. Um, so apparently the finish to that match was supposed to be, he gives Pillman two power bombs or three power bombs and knocks him out so that the submitter surrender Pillman can't respond. So that's supposed to be the planned finish, but <laughs> that botched power power bomb was so bad. Pillman, it knocked him out. And, oh, it did. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So somebody ran out with a towel and like threw in the towel. Uh, they were like quick thinking to save Brian Pillman from another one of those power bombs. Because he's like, "I'll fucking do it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that sucks. Well, and if you notice, whenever he slams him down, he pats him on the chest afterwards. I think to be like, "Hey, man, you all right?" And Pillman's <laughs> just fucking out. That was pretty uh, good, wasn't it, uh, Brian? <laughs> hey. Hey fella. Hey, bro. hey fella, doing all right? Um, so after the match, the babyfaces are leaving, and the heels uh, grab Animal and throw him back into the cage because also in this match they talked a lot about the fact that the Freebirds and the Samoans beat up Hawk in a cage match that the Freebirds and the Road Warriors had in what they were calling the Marietta Massacre uh, from a few months before <laughs> yeah, this. <bro. laughs> So the heels beat up Animal for a while while the babyfaces try to get back into the cage. And then Hawk and Dr. Death tear the door open and then the heels just kind of fuck off and then that's the end. Uh, so, I, you know, a little bit of heat. If if you listen to Jim Cornette tell his Freebirds 89 story, it seems like the Freebirds were trying to get a little bit of their heat back uh, at the end of this match. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there's a, I had Andrew watch a YouTube video where Jim Cornette talks about what a nightmare it was to work with the Freebirds 
in 89 and a very funny story where Dr. Death has had enough and uh, beats Jimmy Garvin with a wooden chair in a match. Yeah, and uh, so the Freebirds didn't want to bump for anything that that the Midnight Express did because the Freebirds are trying to come back strong. And they're trying to get like gorgeous Jimmy Garvin being the new free bird. And like, so they're trying to, so like even, uh, fucking Michael Hayes said that he, he wouldn't sell the tennis racket. And like, uh, it's just, it's just, it's a tough scene. It's a tough scene as a, as an ardent free bird supporter. It's a tough scene. But if you, uh, you, 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 you heard it, uh, good guy, Terry Gordy, Terry Gordy. Uh, Cornette was like Terry Gordy. T- Terry Gordy was the only guy that would even kind of sell for us, and he was the one that shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I do like uh, the fact that he says Bobby Eaton <laughs> to diffuse it somehow. I was like, hey, just so you guys know, we're not trying. We're not out here just trying to fucking get you guys over. <laughs> yeah, uh, and apparently that snapped everybody out because um, angry Bobby Eaton is not uh, is very rare. Apparently, so yeah, Bobby Eaton, nicest guy on the planet. So if he's angry, then you 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 did something you did something bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. As an aside, my did my friend is recently trying to get into basketball, so he is now a Clippers fan, uh, because all of his teams are L.A. based. So he just went with the Clippers. Okay. And he bought some Paul George signature shoes, and so I had asked him if he saw the Paul George leg injury, um, from a few years ago. He said he had not. Mm. Uh, so he looked it up on YouTube. Yeah. And I looked it up on YouTube because I forgot what had happened. And I was at work. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> While I was at work. Uh, are you familiar with what I'm speaking of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking terrible. Uh, I would tell you, don't look it up. Yeah, it's bad. But if you look it up, be warned that I told you not to. Because yeah. if uh, curiosity gets the best of you... It's essentially a compound fracture of Paul George's lower leg. It's gruesome. It's like yeah. one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's like what, what was the quarterback that that happened to? That's a Joe Theismann. No, but uh, the recent, the more recent one, I'm fucking kicking my. Oh, the Dak Dak Prescott. No. He, well, yeah, he, he got fucked up too. But there was the one that like he almost had his leg amputated because it got like black and and infected. Uh, it's. Teddy Bridgewater or Alex Smith? Alex Smith. Yeah. That's who you're thinking. Alex of. Smith. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's a spiral fracture too. Like that. Oh, that sounds, that, <laughs> that sounds terrible. That picture of his infected leg is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And he played again. It's crazy. Yeah. They had to like, they did a documentary on it because they had to like rebuild him. Like, like the six million dollar man. Yeah. All the skin grafts and like, ugh, it's just horrible. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, don't uh, watch that because I forgot what had happened, and I was like watching it, and I was like, okay, it looks like he's gonna land, and then he like hits his leg on the thing that holds the basket up, and just snaps his leg in half. Well, I just yeah. I just found the picture of his infected leg. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share my screen, Dusty. I'm not, but it's. <laughs> I appreciate that. Why'd you do that to yourself? <laughs> Horrendous. It's yeah. fucking. I wanted another live reaction, and I I regret yeah. it. Yep, did it uh, to yourself. Uh. So we go backstage with Ric Flair and Gordon Soley and uh, Flair is wearing his purple robe because it's a main event, baby. So uh, he essentially says that he feels like he's a hundred percent or that he's 120%, but he realizes that in either case, he's going to have to 
give the fight of his life to beat Terry Funk. And they go through like, why didn't you try to have another match beforehand? Like as a warm up, and and Flair was like, I only feel like I could face the top level opponents, and I don't feel like I need a warm up. Uh, and I didn't want to, you know, wear myself out trying to get back whenever I know I have to fight Terry Funk. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. That's a decent way to think about it, I guess. And this was super somber, um, like ready to go Ric Flair. Uh, yeah, he's not limousine riding. He's or not whatever. screaming. He's not doing any of those things. He's like just having a conversation. You can tell he almost seems like he's a little nervous, which I yeah, love. And, he, and he's also like, you know, I think I'm 100%, but, you know, we'll find out in about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you'll remember, Funk beat the dog shit out of Flair at the end of the last pay-per-view. Pallor drived him, him on the table. Which is and... really unfortunate because Punk was there. I mean, uh, Punk. Uh, <laughs> Funk was there as a impartial judge if we do remember <laughs> yeah um, that's not well, very impartial flair insulted him said he wasn't uh top 10 material you know yeah but he was gonna do that yeah, yeah. and so he went, then, up, you know, he went up there wanting to beat shit out of Ric flair uh so then funk essentially gets ranked in the top 10 in the intervening months which is a nice touch to like you don't automatically get a title match because you beat up the champ we still have the proper channels you have to go through and so it's the uh, UFC does that shit all the time. When whenever there's an, a fight, like whenever a Conor McGregor fight is coming up, yeah. they sneak him onto the pound for pound uh, list always. Yeah. So they're like, well, this is <laughs> Wikipedia says Funk w- uh, would win matches usually against local competitors Hell yeah, uh, and pr- <laughs> improved himself to be ranked in the top ten. Uh, and so you know then, what? He's Terry Funk. I agree. Yeah, and then Flair requested to President Jim Hurd, must have been better times between the two, to allow him to defend the yeah. belt against Funk at the Great American Bash, which is like also an interesting, like a sports thing, but also you see it in real in real sports. Where it's yeah, like, where he's like, I want man, that guy. I don't like I that need, guy. Yeah, I need to fight this dude. Yeah. Like, I know there might be other uh, competitors who might be more worthy, but like, we got to squash this shit. Like, Funk's not going away. He's a problem. <laughs> if I don't beat him, it's a, we can't go back to business as usual. Yet, no, no, you know? he's gone vigilante on us. Yeah. So, uh, Terry Funk comes out. Did you notice where Terry Funk is billed from? No, I forgot this. Maybe my all time favorite wrestling billing from the double cross ranch. Oh in Amarillo, yeah. In Amarillo, yeah, Texas. yeah. I heard that. Yeah. No, I love that. That's a, that's yeah, a sick ass name for a ranch. Like, and, and as a wrestling <laughs> ranch, like hell yeah. Yeah. So, Funk assault, tries to fist fight a bunch of the fans before he gets to the ring. He's crazy, you know? He is crazy. There's a guy during the um, – uh, oh, my God. I just saw the Alex Smith leg again. Uh, I, was, I was trying to close my tabs. Close the window. I was trying to close my tabs. Uh, ugh. Um, there was a guy during the match that was like Terry Funk's looking away from him because Terry yeah. Funk goes over the guardrail. And Terry Funk's like looking at towards the camera, and the guys behind him, and the guys like yelling at Punk and like pointing, fuck Funk, <laughs> and and pointing at him. And, and I, yeah. I have a really hard time with similar names. Uh, but anyway, he's yelling at him and pointing at him and like getting after him. And as soon as Funk turns around, the guy like gets like legitimately scared and like hide, like starts cowering yeah. and hiding. I made a note of it. You I made a note happen. of it too. You yeah. Saw it so, cause like. This, this is the thing they talk about with old wrestling, which is like maybe even back in the day, 
people knew like okay some of this shit isn't real or yeah. it's for st- it's for show or it's staged or whatever but like that guy might actually be crazy and it's yeah. like terry you can't see through terry funk shit terry funk, <laughs> funk looks like a maniac terry and funk would have killed that guy yeah oh he would have beat him to death yeah and... <laughs> he would have killed that guy yeah um <laughs> so uh terry flares, the guy. <laughs> uh, flares out with only four ladies. It's important. It's an important match. He doesn't have time you can't for have 40 whole ladies. 40 yeah. Um, and this is like a, a pretty realistic looking fight early on. And Flair gets the better of it on the floor. And like you said, Funk freaks out and jumps over the guardrail and is trying to like pull it off of the, yeah. the out of the floor. And that guy is standing behind him. He's in like a yellow shirt and he's talking shit. And Funk turns around and the dude visibly like hastens away. Yeah, he Terry is Funk. like genuinely afraid of Terry Funk. Uh, yeah. Is this, uh, a, is this a match between the two best bumpers of all time? It's pretty close because Funk is real. Like he takes a drunken, like a quote unquote, like drunken bump better than anybody. Like where he seems out of control, but he's fine. Yeah, and he's like, like he does the like weird like hand gyrations. Like he's you yeah. know they got they got a little bad in in ECW. He got he got pretty yeah. crazy with him, but uh, he I don't know, man. Terry Funk is like these guys were the master of like slight goofiness. You know, yeah, yeah. Where it's it's like a little bit entertainment. It's a little bit yeah. of shtick, but like the you, I, I can believe that people thought like, oh man, Terry Funk could <laughs> legitimately put Ric Flair out. Like yeah. this is a dangerous thing for Flair, and Funk works the neck in this match. Like he's trying to do suplexes, and they keep talking about whenever he does a suplex, he like wrenches. <laughs> Uh, Flair's neck more than a normal guy would in a <laughs> suplex. Like, like there maybe I like the idea that there's some sort of unwritten code of like, yeah, I'm trying to beat you, but I'm not trying to hurt you necessarily. Like by doing extra shit to you, yeah, <laughs> to you whatever we're wrestling. There's still a code of honor here. There's, and, there's a gentleman's suplex. Yeah, and like Funk is just not about. It's like in football whenever. The reason they outlaw like the alligator roll tackle, you know, where like you've got a dude's legs and then you roll and the like that's a penalty because it can seriously injure so you could wrench yeah. somebody's and like we're playing football, possibly the most violent sport ever, but you know, we we don't want to be cruel to each other <laughs> while we do let's, it. Let's take care of each other, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um Flair, of course, is like he's kind of dominating this match. Like Funk has his spots, but Flair hits two power drivers on funk where funk does the cell like you talked about where he's like his arm is hanging yeah. off of it <laughs> off of his shoulder afterwards and then flair gets the figure four and then funk gets his branding iron from gary hart and just blasts rake flair in the face with this branding iron and that's how he takes over on him and that's and of course flair starts to bleed because so, the nwa I, I i guess this was an ODQ match no, the ref apparently was. They're saying the ref was distracted by Gary Hart after he gave him the branding iron. I saw that, but like later on, like, like uh, Funk is choking Ric Flair with his tape, and like they're towing not, the line. Not illegal, frowned upon. Really? Or, 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's illegal, but it's not immediate disqualification. It's not one of those. Okay. Yeah, it's like a hey, man, come on, like yeah, it's like hey, you let can't go use of your him. you can't use your tape for that. Let you know? go of him. He got to the ropes. That type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then Funk hits a power driver, and that's like the worst fear of everybody in this match. And then whenever Funk goes for the pin, F- Flair's foot is barely on the ropes, and that's how he gets out of it. So it's like he barely survived. He didn't kick out. He's not Superman and back up. He just happened to be close to the ropes when he got hit with this move. Yeah. Uh, and then they they brawl on the floor, and of course Terry Funk comes up bloody at the, <laughs> after they they fight on the floor. And so both guys, crimson masks. It's like a they're fighting to the death. Uh, Funk gets Flair down and starts doing the spinning toe hold, which is his finishing move. And then Flair picks the ankle, goes for the figure four, gets small packaged, reverses it. When you know, Andrew, mm-hmm. gets that three count. Because yeah. <laughs> small packages, they win, they win heavyweight titles. It was a good uh, sequence. It was yeah. it was uh, really well coordinated, uh, and it looked like the reversal that Flair got looked like a like an like an amateur wrestling reversal. Um, it was really good. This match yeah. was fun. Uh, yeah, seventeen minutes twenty three seconds. This gets four and a half stars, and this is like Ric Flair in eighty nine. Man, like he can have that hour match with Steamboat, and then he can have this match, and both of them are great, and both of them are great in different ways yeah like a lot of the knock on flair is that he only has one kind of match like he only does his one thing and he just sort of formats everybody to what that is but i don't think that's true especially like whenever he was at the top of what he was doing like the matches he had with dusty were different than the matches he had with steamboat which are different than this kind of match like they're they're all wrestling matches but it's like it he he does do different stuff yeah it's subtle and it's classic and it's uh old school and it's it's a fucking just a classic wrestling match and he doesn't have rick flair's not the most athletic guy in the room ever pretty much um yeah he's an athletic guy like compared to normal people but he's not the like jumping out of the building and and being fast and all this stuff uh there's a lot of like psychology in his matches. There's a lot of like grittiness and, and comebacks and, 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 um, and, uh, cheating and all that type of stuff. Like, I don't know. I, I, I huge Ric Flair stand to be honest. Yeah. He is not one to be jumping out the sky. No, he will not be jumping out the sky. He will be falling uh, out the sky in a plane. <laughs> it's true. He will be falling out the sky in a plane. He will be falling over the top rope once he gets, uh, thrown into it. That is true. So, he didn't do a uh, so, flare bump in this. He didn't do that. Oh, no, because he's a babyface. So you can't fail as a babyface off the flare bump, you know? Well, I get like, well. You, he doesn't do the face first bump when he's a babyface, and he doesn't do the thing where he goes up and over in the corner and then tries to go to the top rope uh, and then gets stinks, stopped. That stinks, bro. I like both of those. Yeah, well, because as a babyface, you don't want him to get whipped into the rope or whipped into the turnbuckle, do the flip, go try to go to the other side and then get slammed off. Like, you know, that is ineffectual baby face moves. Yeah. But you can still have him. Like he gets thrown in the corner. He does the upside down thing. He lands on the apron. He's like staring at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so then immediately after the match is over, great Muda hits the ring because Muda and funk are both part of Gary Hart's stable and they start beating up flair. 
and then Funk is going to power drive Ric Flair on a chair, which uh, Jim Ross says will break his neck if that happens. So uh, <clears throat> then, the and the crowd is ahead of this, because as soon as the heels hit the ring, uh, they start chanting, we want Sting. And they're yeah. like, fucking get, Sting is the dude that needs to come out here. How did they know that? Yeah, uh, you know, because Muda. Probably, oh yeah, I would imagine that, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, I was, I was, um, trying, I was just trying to figure out how they like how, why that was the name, you know. But, but uh, Sting comes out and they start fighting off the heels, and then they just brawl for yep. like a while at the end of this show, all over the place, and then they come back, like they, I guess they they beat they beat up the heels and and get rid of them, and then Flair comes over to where the announcers are and starts cutting a promo, and then he's like wait a second. And I thought he was going to go beat Terry Funk's ass some more. And then he brings sting over and he goes, uh, I haven't said thank you in 10 years, but thanks brother or whatever, you know, to Sting. It's so great. They have this long ass fight and the, and flair stops to cut a promo. He's like walking past the announcer <laughs> and they're like, Hey, you want to talk? He's like, Oh yeah, I guess I'll talk. Yeah. And he's like, he's like to anybody who had the privilege of watching that. I, I, I wish he would have finished that line, but then he had to go get sting. <laughs> Yeah, so then he goes and gets Sting, and then he tells Terry Funk that he's going to keep fighting him until he, quote, wears his Texas ass out. Yeah. Uh, and then that's how they go off the air. Yeah. So um, I know I mentioned it last week, but uh, Great American Bash 89 is widely regarded as one of the best uh, wrestling pay-per-views of all time. And we got, like, what is it, from Sting, Muda on? I think everything is like three and three quarter stars or higher. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the show? I thought it was really good. It was really good. There wasn't like, there wasn't anything that was like, Oh, that iconic blank thing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I don't know how famous I'm sure this, this funk and flair thing is famous cause it was awesome. But yeah, um, there's not a five star match on this, but it's still like just the consistency and the fun. Like this didn't seem like a long show. Uh, pretty much everything. Uh, I mean, Pillman and Irwin was, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good show. I, I liked it. They have substantially trimmed the fat from yeah. like the last show. Cause it's like that last show had Bob Orton jr. Versus Dick Murdoch on it yeah. and had uh iron Sheik versus sting. Like, and you I, can tell seemed... the change in, you can tell the change in the approach too, where it's like, yeah, the iron Sheik, God damn it. Um, <laughs> you can tell the change in approach where it's like quicker, more exciting matches. Um, yeah. And they're like bringing up Scott Steiner. They've got the Steiner brothers together. They're starting to like really put the emphasis on Sting and Muda and Flair and Funk are still going to have a, a program after this. And they seem to have gotten like, oh, here's where we want to go. They got a fun thing for Steamboat to do where he's not like dropped all the way down the card. He's in a big spot with Luger here and you're building Luger up as well. So mm -hmm. like it seems like a more concentrated effort towards like your younger guys and the guys that have been getting pops on some of these earlier shows. Yeah. And I was like, okay, man, we got to like, uh, look in his day, Dick Murdoch and Bob Orton jr. Great. But like, nobody's paying in 89 to see these two dudes. 
you know, and you can't have a competitive match with the both of them. Yeah, let's time. let's start making or showcasing some stars. Like, yes, um, good direction they're going in for sure. Well, so in the uh, in the age game, how old do you think Terry Funk is on this show? He is already self-described as middle-aged and crazy. Yeah, I think he's like eighty now, or like seventy-nine, or something like that. Um, and this was 33 years ago. It's like 46, 45. Nice, dude. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and it looks good and it fucking had a great match. <laughs> like, yeah, the funk, he doesn't funk look awesome. He doesn't look 45. He looks 40. Well, he doesn't look 45. Uh, the great Muda. Oh, we haven't done that one. I don't think we've done Muda. Um, shit, this is a whole shot in the dark because he's got a fucking face mask. 30. 26. Okay. Hell yeah. So, Good for him, dude. Yeah. Um, how old do you think Brian Pillman is? Young baby face. Ooh, 26. 27. Nice. Getting close, yeah. getting close. Yeah. Uh, Sid Vicious, personal favorite. Oh, fuck. Psycho. 28. 29. Dude, fuck! I'm always one off, man. <laughs> All right, uh, we stand for this man. Terry Bam Bam Gordy is how old? Oh man, he's show? the best. I know he's 40 when he died, right? I don't know how old. I don't know when he died though, so that doesn't help me at all. Um, after this, he dies after this. Yeah, yeah, he does. I do know that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, 36. Terry Gordy is only 28. Oh, shit. On this show. When did he yeah. die? Uh, Like 2000, I think. No. Yeah, 98, 2000, something like that. Yeah, I got that way off. 2001, he died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes and sense. Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Oh, okay. Uh, 34. 29. God damn, he looks a lot older than he is. Yeah. So I can like, see Terry Gordy being in his thir- in his twenties, but like I I was just yeah. I guess I was picking it wrong because I forgot how young he was in early Freebirds days. Yeah, they were saying first professional wrestling paycheck twenty. He was fourteen years he was old. Fourteen years old. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at it, everybody aside from Funk, who's in the main event of like new guys that they brought in or like guys that they brought back in, all these guys are in their twenties. And you add that with, like, the Steiner brothers who are also in their 20s and, like, the Road Warriors who are in their early 30s. Like, you've got a young crop of, like, really talented people that you can pair together. Because Sting's still in his 20s. Like, it's a good, it's an incredible roster of, like, guys that you can put the spotlight on for the future while still having, like, great main event guys. Yeah, it seems like in in the span of six months, um, after the turmoil that was caused by Dusty leaving, WCW went from like being in a bad place to being in a really good place, like having a what it looks like a really bright future. Yeah, and at least for now they're getting it right. You know, yeah, they're, they're seeming to turn the corner. So, uh, our number one movie this week is Lethal Weapon Two, which is a movie I don't believe you have seen. Too old for it. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> he's he's perpetually been too old yeah. for this shit. Uh this shocked me. This is the third week this movie's at number one. Uh it made thirteen million dollars. It was number one one more week than Batman 
89. Batman 89 was number one for two weeks. God and damn. then Lethal Weapon 2 came out and was number one for three weeks. Have you heard the uh, the Mel Gibson voicemails? <laughs> yes. Um, okay, they're horrendous. They're, they're yes. terrible. It's it's it's. I can't believe somebody would talk to somebody like he talks to that woman. Um, some of the funniest goddamn things I've ever heard in my life are said. Wasn't well, that isn't that always the way? Like the Buddy Rich tapes. Yeah, you should not talk to a human being that way. <laughs> but you're blowing fucking clams every night. It's yeah. one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah. Don't listen to the Mel Gibson tapes. They're horrendous uh, and <laughs> racist. You should just smile and blow me. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've never heard them, Buddy Rich, the big band drummer, uh, very famous. Yeah. Uh, early, like, the best drummer alive guy, had a big band later on in his life and someone secretly recorded one of his tirades him after screaming at him and yeah. screaming at his band he's like not one of you fuckers can keep time you're out there blowing clams you're embarrassing me <laughs> it's like but it's so funny uh to hear because he's unhinged in his uh like and it's just look i get it it's important to you but like you're just playing big band music like it's yeah. not the end of anything, you know. Human um, beings. Yeah, even though you have not seen Lethal Weapon two, I would imagine you are familiar with the diplomatic immunity thing. Uh, the villains of Lethal Weapon two, they ca- they keep saying they can't do anything about them being evil because they have diplomatic immunity because they're from like South Africa or something. No, I have no idea. <laughs> That's funny. Oh yeah, they're like diplomatic immunity, <laughs> and they're like, oh shit, they can. <laughs> That's not how that works, but they can perform whatever crime they want. It's like, <laughs> like it's like it's like the sovereign citizen lunatics nowadays. Yeah, the, like the, I I renounce my citizenship, so you can't arrest me. No, yeah. I feel like I probably can, yeah. man. Or like the Fifth Amendment. Just uh, I can say I don't have to say anything ever about anything. No, it's <laughs> not how it works. Uh, this is a huge hit. Cost thirty million dollars. Made two hundred and twenty-seven million dollars in nineteen eighty-nine. Money. Goddamn. So. And Lethal Weapon, they're good. Like, I've watched some of them recently. I rewatched them, and they hold up as, like, because it's not a trope yet, because they're, like, one of the first buddy cop uh, crazy guy with a guy who's over it kind of yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, guy, guy, that, guy that plays by his own rules. Yeah, it's, it's good. So uh, our number one album this week is the Batman soundtrack, of course, by Prance. Fuck yeah, uh, it is. It spent six weeks at number one and went double platinum. And we talked about the Prince soundtrack to Batman before. So I thought I would take the top five of Prince songs as listed by Spotify. What do you oh, think? Shit. Uh, Purple Rain. Purple Rain is number one. When Doves Cry. It's number three. Mm, fuck. Little Red Corvette? Not on the list. Okay. Mm. <laughs> uh, let's Go Crazy? It's number five. Um, 1999? Nope. Not on the Holy list. Holy shit. Okay, so we've got, we've got Purple Rain, we've got When Doves Cry, we've got Let's Go Crazy. Yes. No, I was gonna say "Darling Nikki," but I don't think that's on there. Um, 
fuck? I feel like I'm probably forgetting something like obvious. I think one of them you'll de one of them you'll definitely like know, and then what? Yeah, one of them I'm surprised is in the top five, but it's a you know it's a very famous uh, print song. Raspberry Beret is number four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you need number that two. One's, that one's made a bit of a comeback. Raspberry Beret. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's just not one that I would think of immediately as like a the print song. You know. Yeah. Um, I keep thinking of nothing compares to you, but I don't think like that's gonna be it. It's uh, if you don't get it, it's fine. You're the beautiful be ones. No. Nope. Oh, I'm gonna be mad. So I'm I'm fucking forgetting something. I'm mad that I'm forgetting something too, and it's Prince. Something huge, like it's huge. It's huge. God damn it! Three hundred a million, three hundred eight million plays. Huge. <laughs> Purple Rain has three hundred sixty million. I'm trying to remember his uh, his halftime show and see if that kicks anything in for me, because like it's not Darling Nikki, it's not like any of that, because it's got to be bigger than that. What is it? You know, uh, you don't have to know this song to rule my world. That's all I'll say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Kiss is huge. It's Kiss. Da, 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 yeah. Da. yeah. We used to play that song. I know. I know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think of it as like, uh, I don't put it on the level of Purple Rain and, uh, and uh, well, Wind Does Cry. Nikki or whatever, yeah. But like, uh, in terms of popular, it's a great song. But like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I completely forgot about Kiss. Fuck. Computer Blue, Computer <laughs> Darling Blue. Nikki, Darling Nikki. Uh, so, uh, the top five: Purple Rain, Kiss, When Doves Cry, Raspberry Beret, Let's Go Crazy. That's a that's a pretty <laughs> impenetrable top five. Like, if you're going bat for bat. Against, oh, banger for banger. Good luck. Yeah, against those five songs, you're gonna. It's gonna be a tough go for you. He's uh, he's the purple god, man. You don't fuck with yeah. the purple god. Uh, our number one single is a song called "Toy Soldiers" by a band called Marquita. Martita, M A R T I K A. No idea. Yeah, no idea. I don't know that one. Uh, on April fifth, though, it's the Bat Dance. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it. I wonder if it's what. Um... They sample for what Eminem sampled. Yeah, I wonder. I'm not even gonna look it up. We'll say yeah. it is. Well, let's, let's just let's just say it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I forgot to write that to write the single down, and I was like, shit. So while you were guessing the Prince songs, I went and looked it up. Oh, good. <laughs> I have nothing to say about. What oh, this good. Is. A song I don't know shit about. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh. So that does it for the Great American Bash. Hell Agreed. Yeah. Banger. Banger. Uh. Front to back. Now. We are going to next week watch Clash of the Champions 9, uh, New York Knockout. Nice. The reason we, are watching, <laughs> reasoning we are watching that show is because it contains a five-star match. Hell yeah, dude. Is it is it the main event? It is the main event. Nice. Okay. I'm excited. So, is it uh, another well, Flair versus uh, Funk situation? It is. Oh, okay. It is. Hell it yeah. is an I quit match between Ric oh, Flair and no. Terry Funk. Neither of those guys known for quitting. No. Both those guys conspicuous non-quitters. Yeah. Uh, yes. Clash of the Champions 9, Adrian's Revenge. 
Uh, is, <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> no, uh, New York Knockout is our next show, and I believe that you will be happy to know that there are seven matches on this show, which we might not even get to watch all seven of them, depending on how the WWE Network cuts it up. So um, we'll see how yeah. it goes. Those are usually short, aren't they? Uh, well, I will tell you that, uh, spoiler alerts be damned, Dr. Dusty Williams defeats Super Destroyer in one minute and 41 seconds. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> so, My kind of this, show. Yeah, this might be your favorite match. This might be your favorite show of all time. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Name Stampede, bro. Name Stampede. <laughs> didn't have a 141 match on it. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, like Andrew said, thank you for everyone who listens. Follow us on all the socials before Twitter turns into the uh, complete hellscape. That it is sure to become. Yeah, I got uh, verified today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going <laughs> to. No, you will not get my $8. Anti $8. So, uh, in any case, thank you for all the support. We'll be back next week because Kayfabe may be dead, but we're alive watching New York Knockout on the Snart Marks podcast. I'm going to the granddaddy.